Welcome to the Film Rescue Show. We're lending a helping hand to Hollywood in fixing their feature films. Today, we are joined by our regular hosts, Jesse and Hope. Hello to the both of you. Hello. Hey. And we have returning guest and friend of the show, Jeremy, is here from Defending Your Pot, or excuse me, Defending <laughs> Your Movie. Uh, defending Your Podcast is for way later down the road when he has to defend all the podcasts he's made in his life. Oh, God. <laughs> I, I dread that day. But hi, hello, that is me. <laughs> Thank you for being here. Uh, today we are discussing The Chronicles of Riddick, the film from 2004 directed by David Toohey. This is not Pitch Black, and this is not Riddick, the third movie in the trilogy. <laughs> we will Although, probably touch on all of these, though. <clears throat> yes, I will, I will say a uh, spoiler warning. Yeah, yeah, I know, right? Yeah. Um, uh, I will give a broad spoiler warning for the entire series, though. I'm sure we'll dip into things here and there. Mm. If this has been on your docket to watch, I would say pause this, watch everything else, and then come back. And then you'll be right on the same page as us, because, Jesse, you just watched all three of these recently. Yeah, uh-huh. Uh, I watched all three movies. I actually rewatched Pitch Black last night, and I, I really, really enjoy Pitch Black. It's I great. It fucking holds up. It it's so good. Yeah, it's very well done. It's. I remember when Vin Diesel was really trying as an actor. <laughs> <laughs> sometime, oh, I'm sorry, Jivanich Kinnamington Bill Woodlandle. <laughs> sometime before Pitch Black and then in between the, that and Chronicles of Riddick, he just became one note. Yeah, there was a point where he kind of just gave up. I don't know if it's like I don't know if it's just like ego or he just gave up, but I mean it's working uh, for him. Yeah, it's called Fast and Furious happened. Fast and Furious happened. Yeah? If you say so. <laughs> I mean, they definitely happened whether you admit it or not. <laughs> yeah. But ironically, I'd say the best thing that come out of the Riddick franchise is uh there's an animated film called Dark Fury. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. By Peter Chung, who created Eon Flux, and also the video game Escape from Butcher Bay. Those are probably the best things. The movies are the weakest parts. <laughs> Isn't that weird? It's just strange. It's crazy, and I I heard they're doing a new video game for the possible new movie as well, and I hope it lives up to that older one. Yeah, they got one more movie in the tank. Yeah, that's coming yeah, out. Yeah, how Sing that's next... going to go. I mean, who knows? Um. <laughs> But yeah, uh, I watched the entire trilogy recently, and um, man, it nosedives pretty quick, doesn't it, guys? Uh, I'll wait. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, know that you uh, you have positive things to say about this film. I'll but, say uh, I watched the trilogy before you asked me to be on the show. Yeah, okay. yeah. Th- that was part of the reason for reaching out, too, was like, hey, I know Jeremy's into this stuff. Mm. <clears throat> yeah, I'm I'm working a lot of hours at work, and I'm just throwing on movies as I was working, and I, I don't even know if I watched them in order. I think I watched Cron- I watched this one, and I was like, oh, you know what, I'll just go back to Pitch Black, and then I was like, well, just keep going, I guess. Mm. <laughs> yeah, Makes I, think sense. I, I think I said that this second one is bad, but the third one is just very lame. Yeah, the third one, the third one's a little chubby the whole way around. Um, yeah. Although I, the first, the first like five or ten minutes of it are, are pretty excellent. I'm not. I'm, I, I was kind of like it. <laughs> <laughs> I like I like it when it's just uh, Riddick and his dog. That's yeah, it. exactly, exactly. And then it just becomes crappy pitch black after that. <laughs> uh, Hope, what's your relationship been with the series? Have you followed it? Is this something you're into that's been in your spaces? Uh, what's it been like for you? Honestly. Uh... I'm not the biggest fan. Really not. Um, That's fair. If I 
something like this, I'm like, I can pick about 10 other film movies or franchises and that are the same but better. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, I definitely feel like the one kid in the group project who's like just kind of coasting right now because I only watched uh, Chronicles of Riddick just in preparation for this, at least. Yeah. I didn't do all three like you guys. So. <laughs> Have you seen Pitch Black, though? No, I've seen it. I've seen it. It's it's been a long time. I have seen it though. It's just but in preparation like this week, I just the only time I had was when I watched uh Chronicles with Jesse and then I'm like, yeah, I got I got stuff. I can't do the others. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think this is this franchise most people would agree that the first one is worth going up to bat for and the other two are kind of just forgettable. Yeah. Yeah, cuz I remember the first one Great, and then I'm like, oh, this is why I don't remember the other two. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the other two become a weird mixed bag. Um, yeah, and the first one is kind of like a little engine that could. It's this small sci-fi movie that hit big, so it has like that kind of like underdog story to it. Yeah, yeah, and it's a clever concept too. The idea that the character that has to save all the people in the story is a murderer yeah you can see in the dark like that's a mm-hmm. great idea it's a good concept for a story yeah um i'll get into the reasons why it doesn't quite work in the sequels <laughs> yeah like the the franchise it created a great character that they didn't know what to do with past their first movie yeah and that's that i'll get into that when we get to the negatives yeah so. yeah he's he's kind of like one of those um Stephen King protagonist or, or or black antagonist or you know whatever however anti-hero. you want anti hero there you go um yeah. he, he's like one of those where he doesn't really need to change as much as he's supposed to change the people around him yeah mm-hmm. and we'll get into why it's a big problem with it being a franchise when we get to the negatives <laughs> <laughs> yeah let's well let's let's run through the positives uh, specifically for Chronicles of Riddick then um so I I was trying to recall the pacing of this movie before watching it and i don't think i've ever misremembered pacing more in my life i have a question <laughs> i have a question for everybody before we start talking which version oh, sure. did you watch cuz oh, there great question. there is a director's cut so i saw this in the theater i don't know if anybody else did i did too um yeah and so i distinctively remember I, unfortunately i can't remember the exact differences now but when the movie came out on dvd on top of having a director's cut i remember the version i saw in theater having slight differences from both of the theatrical and the director's cut dvd release that's very possible. Yeah, there's actually three separate versions of this movie. Yeah, uh, but, yeah. but yeah, I did watch the extended version for this. Yeah, uh, me and Hope watched the yeah. extended version too. And I watched the regular cut just to be the one odd man out. And I, I think you made the right you. choice. <laughs> so yeah, so yeah I'm, I'm curious, what is added in that extra, what, like 16 minutes? Um, so they add in, so there's a whole storyline about Furia that's kind of added in in this this woman from furia that he's seeing visions of and it kind of expands on his like abilities a little bit and then there's Mm -hmm. there's kind of just like different re-edits and scenes with the necromongers like some scenes just kind of like breathe a little longer which they're they're a little unnecessary but it's like little character moments uh he has like this weird relationship with what's her name christina cox's character the one of the mercenaries like they have a couple oh, interactions yeah, yeah, yeah. with each other that's not in the theatrical cut. Oh, it kind of yeah. doesn't amount to anything, but it's just kind of there. 
interesting. But the the most significant thing is the inclusion of the uh, the the like woman and his fury and power or whatever. So the scene where um they're on uh what is a crematoria and Vako is like walking up to him with all the other necromongers. He lets out like a blast out of his body. That's not in the theatrical version. Yeah. Yeah. yeah basically, they try to turn him into like. Anakin Skywalker or something like he's this be all end all puzzle piece to complete the universe or something. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah, and uh, we'll get into that in the negatives. <laughs> yeah. That's um. Yeah. So so my my pacing issue, if if I want to call it an issue, I remembered there being a lot more of the necromancers and a lot less of him surviving prison. Necromancers? Um, you mean necromongers? Necromongers. <laughs> necromancers <laughs> would have made it a lot more interesting. For real. Yeah, I, I get it. Necromonger, dead warrior. I, I get it. I get it. Yeah. Just, uh, God, the dialogue and the writing in these movies is awful. <laughs> oh gosh, yeah. Jesse and I were having a field day with this dialogue. It's yeah. not great. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> like he. Which is funny. The, the the first one's a lot more accessible dialogue wise. I think um the cop that's chasing Riddick is the only one that ends up with the really like hysterically bad lines. Yeah, like in yeah um some I think it, that's why I think his character has a lot more in the first one. In the in the second two, he kind of gets boiled down to a one liner machine, and it, oh, it seems yeah. like he's uh. Vin Diesel very much wants like a big sci fi franchise for him, and this is kind of the best he's gotten and. He just tries to turn him into some generic action star, where in the first mm-hmm. one, there was actually, like, depth to that character. <laughs> mm-hmm. yep. I think as Jesse said it best, this is basically his tribute to himself and his ego. Yeah, it's a vanity project. Yeah, and this yeah. is post-Fast and Furious, so I think he's a little bigger at this time. Right. Well, like, Jesse, you and I have been going through uh, a lot of his older movies and talking to other people, and, mm-hmm. like, we discovered on The Last Witch Hunter his love for, like, uh, Dungeons & Dragons and tabletops. Yeah. This makes me curious if the if the Necromongers aren't, like, a Warhammer 50K kind of oh. thing. Like, he wants to go way bigger than what th- this, like, character... Like, the character's so small for the world that they're building. I think if I had to boil down... Chronicles of Riddick into its issue. It's we're we're focused on a small character, yeah, and that works in a survival mm-hmm. movie. It yeah. doesn't work so much in a epic, uh, you know, space jumping story. They as went much. way like, too big, too fast huge. with this franchise. It's yeah, huge. like you do something like this for a third one, not a second one. Yeah, the budget for this film was like what 105 million dollars, something like that. And then uh, they did right. like 10, yeah. 10 million or something for. Um, like merchant um, advertising yeah. and shit, oh my marketing God. and advertising. Yeah, and then wow. you can look at the first movie. The first movie's like what twenty million? That's like a like thirty, that. forty million dollar at most. <laughs> yeah, like this, it's too big for what you're trying to do with this. This should have been a small sleeper franchise, not a big epic. Twenty three for the first one. Oh Jesus! And then I think forty yeah. ish for the third one. Thirty eight. That makes sense. Yeah. They finally realize, oh, yeah, this doesn't work as a big epic. It doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. I'll say he looks the best in this one. Just like his oh, physique man. and everything about him in this one is like, this is when I picture Riddick, I picture him in the second movie. Yeah. yeah. This yeah. is before he got his dad bod. <laughs> yeah. This is definitely like peak Vin Diesel bod yeah. and everything. Like he's so. ripped, but he's not huge. And like he's got the, his bald head looks really good. Those goggles look awesome like this is the best he looks 
Yeah, yeah. How could you tell that he had goggles? He kept taking them off. Oh, yeah. Okay, can't, can't, Okay. big, big thing. I watched Pitch Black last night, and anytime there's light outside, he immediately, like, covers his eyes because it blinds him to see just any kind of light in his eyes. Right. This movie, he's constantly taking his, uh, his goggles off, and I'm like, dude, aren't you blind right now? Doesn't that hurt? Yeah. <laughs> right. He, like, mm-hmm. mastered the ripping off of the goggles in this one. He does uh, it every 30 yeah. seconds. Yeah, just uh, we'll we'll get into this in the negatives. <laughs> Let's, what, are there any positives we have? I have movie? a lot of positives about this. Yeah, movie, yeah, I've got, I've got a handful. Yeah, for yeah sure. there's some positives. Um, so, maybe so we should start with Jesse. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> okay. Um, Keith David's here. He is. He is. <laughs> Always nice to see Keith David. Carl Urban Always also nice. here. Yeah. Oh yeah, Carl Urban. Yeah, remember when Carl Urban was doing bad movies? <laughs> I'll say the cast of this movie is kind of awesome. It is in yeah. some of the best parts. Oh yeah, yeah. Comb yeah. Fiore's great. Dude, J- Dame Judi Dench Judy's just shows I'm up. Yeah, just yeah. about Which, to say that. The story is Vin Diesel really wanted to work with her, so he kind of just like kept asking, and then eventually, I guess she was working on some other movie, and he like filled her trailer with roses, and then she eventually agreed to do it. Wow, and she said she Jeez. understood absolutely nothing in the script. Well, but- yeah, because even <laughs> even in the film, like she's described as what a uh, uh, elemental, elemental, elemental witch, foreseer person thing. Yeah, you know what this movie is? It's just it's just Dune. Yeah, yeah. it's like it's, it's like you're stopping. It's your stopping point between Dune and Star Wars. Yeah, <laughs> it's just it's just Dune, dude. That's all it is. <laughs> Like, I do like uh, some of the dunier elements of it, though. Like, I don't... Yeah. No sandworms, unfortunately. <laughs> like, it was ambitious. Like, it doesn't hit on every level, but they at least went for stuff. And, like, I can always give credit for that, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I usually give points for, for at least uh, having the balls to try something. Um, uh, Hope, what did, what did you enjoy uh, watching through this? Actually, what I did, like, was... So even though it was so horrible CGI overload, but like actually some of the visual landscapes that they did, like I know when he's running away from like the mercenaries and stuff and he's jumping over those yeah. like yeah. that maze field thing, like th- that was pretty cool. I love that the visual. scene. Yeah. So like that was, I, I do give him credit for whoever made the, the backgrounds, I guess. The production yeah. design, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so that I, was all the sets look really good. Like the the different planets are all pretty unique. Mhm. Yeah, there was definitely you could definitely tell a difference between every planet they went to. It wasn't just like carbon copies of each other, which was nice. <laughs> Even the Star Wars sequels like some of those planets just look like the same planets from the older movies. Well, I'm really some of them are. Yeah. I, I'm, well, yeah. I'm, gen- <laughs> I'm genuinely curious. Um, I don't know how much you guys know about Star Wars canon. I know the Twi'lek planet is uh, basically almost identical to Crematoria. It, it's like nuclear on the sun side, and then it's frozen on the non-sun side, and then there's like a ring of livable area in the middle. The Twi'leks are the ones with the big tentacle in the back of their head. Yeah, um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'm curious yeah, if that was the, it, the famous. Twi'lek Jedi is Ayla Sekera. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, Bib Fortuna is a Twi'lek as well. Um, anyways, uh, so Ryloth I'm, I'm curious. 
Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to I'm trying to figure out did Star Wars inform that in this or did this inform Star Wars? Because that would be kind of a big dick move if Star Wars borrowed from Riddick. I mean, it's hard to tell with the Star Wars canon because like when did that first appear? Was it in a book? Was it in like the TV shows that came later? Maybe I don't I assume it'd probably be in one of the old novels. I have no idea. Yeah, I mean, uh, no, no clue. I know the the Young Jedi Knight books were coming out probably just before Riddick started. Right? I mean, a lot of that stuff came out mm-hmm. in like the '90s. Yeah, yeah. So that a lot of the old, yeah, a lot of the older books were definitely like '90s when they were coming out. That's when it was like getting bigger with the, the extended lore. Right. Yeah, and Pitch Black wasn't like '99 or 2000, something like that. Yeah. yeah. Well, Interesting. Well, if you're a Star Wars nerd and you know the answer to this, tweet at us, at Film Rescue Show. I'm very curious, because I don't know the answer. Um, The only Star Wars book I've ever read is Alphabet Squadron, which everybody hates, so. (laughs) I've read too many of them. (laughs) Same, same, honestly. Um, Luke Skywalker becomes an OP broken character in those books. (laughs) Doesn't he, like, fly his X-Wing with his mind or something like that? No, he flies the Millennium Falcon with his mind while he's running both of the gunner ships. I I have an answer. (laughs) Oh, sure. It originated in Star Wars Legends continuity in 1987's The Star Wars Sourcebook. Damn. Okay. Basically just like some encyclopedia-style book. Uh. So if anything, I I guess they would have stolen it. Well, uh, loose, loose yeah, fingers uh, on stolen. What is, I don't, what is, I don't think what is that term uh, like when you th- come up with an idea at the same time? Like similar. Oh, parallel thing- thinking. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> they Dane cooked it. Right. Um, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> How dare you bring Dane Cook into this conversation? <laughs> it was either him or Amy Schumer were the first that came to mind. So. Oh, no. <sighs> Amy Schumer is not funny. <laughs> uh, Hope, did you have any other positives? Uh, yeah, I mean, just like your Jeremy was saying, this, the cast was great. I did enjoy the cast, and I, it, it was just like, oh, y'all are so much better than this, though. <laughs> <laughs> the glow up for every single one of them except for Vin Diesel. Right. I mean, those Fast and Furious movies still do well. Oh, no, you're not. Yeah, he's very successful. I just, he has not looked this good he, in a long yeah, time. No, you're right. Right. Um. Honestly, those are my two biggest things. Um, I did. Jesse can attest to us at any time. Like the 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 main structure would pop up, I'm like, oh, it's Manny Faces Hideout, but it's not really a hideout. <laughs> so I just like kept reverting back to fucking He Man about that. I love that. Yeah. I was like, oh, it's a He Man crossover. Yay! Perfect. I actually just finished up the new. Uh, Revelation series. I have not started it yet. How was that? Um, it's pretty fucking great. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, my extent of knowledge about He-Man comes from the Masters of the Universe movie from Canon. That's all I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is this is definitely um Kevin Smith kind of nerding out on his childhood. Uh it's it's really uh, fun though. Yeah, it's really fun. Um something he can't ruin cuz like who cares about He-Man Canon? Yeah, I mean, from all intents yeah. and purposes I've heard it's really good, so no, yeah, it's excellent. It it goes full anime about halfway into it, where you're like, "Oh shit, uh, that's right." Animation has gotten better in the last thirty years, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah. 
back i was about to say back then all that all that peak animation went to like the one to two minute opening intro and then just became like a 180 shit show for the actual show like i remember i remember watching like he-man and thundercast and all those and like the opening intro was phenomenal and then i'm like but where was that (laughs) right made as cheaply as possible yep somewhere in korea yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's true we outsource a ton of our animation to korea it's kind of crazy um all right well jeremy i guess you can head up the uh the positives section from now on uh i'm sure we're gonna agree (laughs) on a bunch of stuff and i'll i'll chime in as i have anything extra but i think you're gonna end up with the major list here all right let me just crack my knuckles here um (laughs) <laughs> I, I will definitely lean into how good the cast is in this movie. Like on top of like you got uh, like just who's in the movie, like Nick Chinland or Chunland, however you say his name, as Tombs, I think is maybe my favorite character in the movie. Like big yeah. Ron Perlman vibes there, he right? He is yeah. so good, and I love everything. Like every line delivery he has, he commands all of the presence when he's on screen and can yeah. only be matched by how good Thandie Newton is in this movie on the same level where she is <laughs> chewing every piece of scenery in all of her scenes. I love the like, uh, I guess because they're dead, she has to burn her makeup on um, and that whatever that like sizzling thing yeah. she was doing her eye makeup with, I was like, damn, that is a diabolical uh, visual for a villain there. I love yeah, that. Yeah, like I, I like some of the ideas with the Necromongers, like how everything they internalize all their pain and it makes them stronger. And that's like part of their process of converting uh, conversion. Yeah. Um, and like, the, which leads to the really stupid scene where the guy just has a knife sticking out of his back that he uses as a weapon later. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> how does he sleep? Yeah, that's a good question. Like, does he have to? I've always wondered, does he have to like take it out and put it back in every night, or every every time he goes into battle, just have someone stab him with the knife? <laughs> no, he just stands straight up and like sleeps like a cow, you know. That'd oh yeah, fun. there you go. He just doesn't there sleep. There you go. Maybe that's part of the po- process. Is he sleeps on it, so he's in pain all night, and then he's just charged up by the morning. <laughs> yeah, possibly. But uh, like, and you know, Carl Urban always. I always love Carl Urban. He's one of my favorite actors. So, dude, he's... Car- his hair in this is excellent. <laughs> so, I listened to the commentary for this years ago, and he talked about he chose the hairstyle, sort of, in the sense that he's like he just came off Lord of the Rings when they did this, and he's like, "Look, I just did three movies wearing a helmet. I don't want to wear a helmet in this movie." So, like, all right, well, then we're gonna give you a weird hairstyle. And he's like, "Great, that's awesome." He's like, "I just don't want to wear a helmet." That's hilarious. No, what's funny is so Jesse and I were video chatting and he looks over at me and he's like, that's your hair if you just put some gel in it. I was like, fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) Good Christmas idea. Or wow, Christmas. Halloween idea. Wow, totally going to do that for Christmas. I meant Halloween. I'm the new tired. tradition, dress up on Christmas. Uh, I, love I mean, it. we celebrate Halloween every day in this house. Yeah, get, get, I, I, get I usefulness to, out of your costumes. I was about to say, this weekend coming up, I am about to go to another Halloween slash Christmas-based horror convention. So well, there you go. See, conventions are year-round. You can dress up as Vaco all the time. Right. <laughs> I'm sure no one has cornered the market on the Vaco cosplay. Uh, no, there's a cosplayer named Miss Sinister that actually does it. Oh, man. Damn. Way to burst my bubble, Jesse. Well, someone's got to take the title. <laughs> but, um, yeah, like, so, you know, the cast, amazing. Um, 
I there are sections of this movie that I think are awesome. If you just like cut those out and like showed them as a short film, the opening being one of them where they capture him, which I think is one of the better moments where his one-liners work. Like I love yeah. that. Like oh, yeah. you, you mm-hmm. made three mistakes line or whatever, and you know yep. when he steals their ship. Um, and I the crematoria section of this movie should have been, and this is, I mean, maybe I should save some of this, but that should be the entire movie the way I see it. Like the crematoria stuff is awesome. I, I genuinely was wondering if you could recut this without any of the the necromongers. The only reason it doesn't work is because they show up uh, yeah. at the hangar at the end there. Like the literally, that's the only the only reason you couldn't entirely excise them from the film. Yeah, yeah. Um, and th- the final like really big thing I would say, this is, which this is a weird thing for me, this was the first score I ever bought for a movie, and I think the score of this movie is great. Uh, I both, uh, or actually all three for that matter. I mean, you know, yeah, I like yeah. the theme. I like the uh, da, 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 yeah, da, mm-hmm. da, da, da. I like that theme. That's pretty. It's good. really good. And uh, yeah, he did it do works. all three of them, right? The same composer. Yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah, Graham Ravel. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 great. I actually listen to that score a lot. It used to be my go-to, like when I'm writing music. Uh, but that was taken over by the Alien Covenant soundtrack and Gone Girl. Those are the ones I listen to now. But <laughs> yeah. I still love to just throw this one on. It's it's so good. Yeah, it's a, a very very excellently scored. Yeah, but I think I think that's that's like kind of like when I think of this movie, those are the parts where I'm always like, oh, you know, I, it's worth watching for that stuff alone. Yeah, yeah. I, I think the the sequence in the prison, um, I, from from them flying. To the prison. I, actually, I love that conversation where uh, Riddick deduces where he's being taken to uh, yeah. to to impress the crew. Because you got to figure he's he is super smart. Like he was very smart in Pitch Black. Like he's not he's not a dumb muscle guy. Like that's not his character. And I like that they stayed semi true to that. And so from from then up and until they're racing across crematoria which like it's not that i don't like that part it just doesn't work as well as the stuff in the prison for me um uh, well uh we'll get into why that doesn't make any sense very mm-hmm. soon yeah <laughs> yeah i i am uh, i'm sure that i'm willing to acknowledge that it probably doesn't work but i love that sequence and the the music in that sequence is really good too which is oh, one yeah. of the things i always remember but i i love the idea of it i know it's completely unrealistic in every way shape and form but uh, that's always <laughs> like my favorite section of the movie yeah, the 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 tunnel run is like really really great for cranking up the um you know the the pacing and suspense within the film, but I think up up till um I'm going to kill you with a teacup, that that's like <laughs> that's my favorite part of the movie. That's the finale to me. Just yeah. it it could, it could have ended that small and and I would have been like, "Damn, that's fucking badass though, isn't it?" <laughs> Which shout out to Extraction on Netflix, one of the only other movies I've seen where he kills someone with a teacup. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, if you don't mind uh, child soldiers dying, it's a great, uh, yeah. great movie for its kills. That's why the Venn diagram for those movies is teacup murder. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a complete circle with these two in the middle. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, that that's the chunk that that works the best for me. And so if I like that chunk of the film feels as good as Pitch Black does to me. Yeah, I w- I would agree. I I think that is like when he's dealing with the prison system and mercenaries and stuff is when this character is at his strongest. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. Um, so let's pivot over into the negatives. Um, we may have some more positives that pop up, but uh, yeah. I think I think we should transition over. Um, I'll I'll get us started off. There's there's two movies in my movie, guys. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and yeah. and what and while both movies can work at different points to differing degrees, um, n- neither the two should they mix. These feel totally disconnected from each other as stories yeah. as ideas as character development um damn all right let's break this down what happened here <laughs> jesse what why yeah. does this not work uh well because basically the main plot is the whole necromongers taking over the planet of helium prime but then we take a break from that for about an hour so that riddick can escape from a giant prison planet right like it, it I even pointed this out when, we, when Hope and I were watching. I'm like, well, the plot's kind of on hold for a minute, so we can have this story happen. Mm-hmm. And then we yeah. come back to the... It's like it's like Quantum of Solace. Like, the yeah. whole plot takes a break for an hour and a half, so we can then have an opening and ending that actually ties into the previous movie. Yeah. Yeah, you exactly. Like that, that's much. the thing. Like, these two stories don't intersect, really. Like, there's no reason for these two stories to be in the same movie. Yeah. So, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like I don't, I don't yeah. care about this prisoner going up against space armies. Like it, yeah. it doesn't interest me. The other problem with it is that if you play the video game Escape from Butcher Bay, which came out around the same time as this movie, which is the way better than this movie ever was. Yeah. Um, they even reference you, it in this movie. They reference they do. it. Yeah. Yeah, they do. The, yeah. The thing is, if you play that game, it's the same thing. He's just escaping from a prison. Like, yeah. so we're doing it again. Yeah. <laughs> so what? What's the point? He's, he's know, a, what's forever the, the escape artist. Well, that is but his then make it an, I think this really wants to be like an escape from New York or escape from LA film. It really wants to be done. that character. Yeah, you could do that. Like, and that's my that's my <laughs> big negative with this franchise is that this story should not have this character in it. No, like Riddick is good as a secondary character. He's not good as the main character because. He's a murderer. He even gloats about it in the first movie. He's like, oh, yeah, I've killed people. Yeah, it's yeah. fine. Like, so I'm supposed to sympathize and empathize with him being the hero so, of the series now? So there is some lore out there, and I don't know if this is considered canon. I don't even remember where I read this. It was on some website, I think, leading up to like promotional material for this. But I think they've tried to say that, like, he's a criminal by circumstance in some way, shape, or form. That, like, he was a soldier and, like, disobeyed orders and got labeled a murderer. Uh, a murderer, or, like, because people died because of him not following orders. So he got stuck with the murder charges. And I think the idea is supposed to be he just, like, leans into it to keep people away from him. But I have no idea if that's actually, like, canon. That is such a bunch of bullshit. Yeah, I, I, I get it, but I would. Well, it doesn't matter because if you play the video game, how many people does he kill in that game? Yeah, right, prison guards. A thousand people. All of them. <laughs> like you can't say, oh well, they're pri- they're they're you know they're violent prison guards. Well, some of the people that he kills in that game, they're not bad people. Yeah, no, right. you can just straight up murder prisoners. Yeah, there's, there's, he does murder innocent people. Okay, he is a murderer, and so trying to make him the hero, like. Why is he this be-all, end-all puzzle piece to complete the universe? Why why is it that Keith David has to track this one guy down to take down the Necromonger army? Like, 
one dude is more powerful than an entire military force? Well, it's because the Bene Gesserit has been seeding the Quizex head <laughs> He came a generation early. Ah, uh, damn it! There it is. There it is. There's the Dune connection. Yeah, he's he is the Quizots Hatterack. Yeah, that, that or it's just Vin Diesel's ego being like, well, he's a perfect character, therefore he has to, you know, survive and be important to the world. Like, just... Which, which, like, if you're gonna do Dune, wouldn't it be, be way more interesting if if he's just more like a Fremen lost in space, like one of these aggressively survivalist type people, and that's yeah. that's his background. It doesn't have to be special or more important or anything like that it's just like oh no yeah riddick's from a planet where like you fucking survive every day so yeah you're never gonna pin the guy down yeah it just uh the character is just he's not that interesting of a character they try to shove in this backstory to him which really if you compare it to pitch black makes no sense no yeah like where were all these powers back then Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I guess the idea is they are awakening in him now. So he is the Quizos Hatterack. The video game kind of plays on the idea that his eye shine is similar to that. That he got it while he was in prison before because it was like it was time and he his body needed it type thing. Yeah. The 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 game tries to tie into Chronicles of Riddick rather than Pitch Black. It tries. It, it skips over all of Pitch Black. Basically, it says, oh, yeah, he got his eye shine ability because his powers awakened rather than, oh, his eyes got surgically altered. Yeah. Well, he kind of hints to that, too, when he's in the prison because he's like, yeah, I went through prison to get these. And, you know, yeah, cause and- in in Pitch Black, he says that, like, oh, he had a surgery done. And then in Chronicles, Jack, like, questions him. She's like, hey, you know, that story was bullshit. And he just kind of, like, lets it go. Yeah, yeah. I, I always took that as like uh, the Joker backstory thing where we know he's bullshitting and it doesn't matter what the truth is. I guess. Well, yeah, I mean, it's more mystery, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, my other big negative. Uh, so the character of Kira in this film, um, I pointed this out oh, gosh, to Hope yeah. when we were watching it. Yeah, uh, yeah. So in the first film, Jack is like, what, 12? Something mm-hmm. like that, 12, 13-ish. This is five years five after. five years later. Yeah, so yeah. that means she's she's still seventeen. Yeah. Oh, uh, okay. You yeah. get it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, hmm. I think they just overlooked it. <laughs> Oops. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> we screwed up. I, I, I guess, got nothing on that one. I, I was at least semi impressed that the two actors looked similar looked similar enough that I was like, yeah, I guess they that looks like the grown up version. Okay. Look, man, in space, age is just a number. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> it, apparently, that space, it's everything's Vegas. Whatever happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Right. I guess so. <laughs> yeah. Um, th- there was one entire sequence that actually didn't work for me, and I don't know if it's different in the director's cut, so now I'm kind of curious. Um, uh, it sounds like it, it is rather different in the director's cut, but the, the attack on um, the Necromongers at the end... Uh, when they're trying to leave the planet, right? So the the magma is kind of like pouring in, and they decide to stand and fight. Um, that in the cut that I saw is mixed without battle sounds. It's mixed slow motion. Oh, with just on crematoria, music. you're talking about. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Like trying to get to the those are different. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah um, they're, they're different. Yeah. The, so 
the the scene it may even be worth like looking up on YouTube or something if there's a cut of to show the difference eh. but like in the in the theatrical cut that I saw there's no like gun sounds there's no impact sounds it's just like slow motion and and music and it doesn't it loses all of its impact I'll put it that way it's it's different yeah it is different they add in sound effects and stuff because I guess they had to cut the sounds of people being like cut with the knives and stuff for rating purposes. Oh, so they just silenced it. Sense. Also in the director's cut, when he jumps up and cuts the one dude, he cuts his head off. Yeah. But yeah. It's, it's, it looks really bad. <laughs> like it's the, the CG in that scene is not great, but which is, you know, most of this well, movie, the, the CG throughout most of the movie is bad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> even for the time, this was bad. Like this came out the same year as return of the King. There's no excuse for this. <laughs> well, everybody was busy working on that movie. I mean, I guess, but like, I know me personally, my biggest draw to any movie doesn't matter is, is all the creatures, all the babies. I don't care how fucked up it looks. I'm always like, I want a plush of that. Right. And like, even like the dog wolf things that they're all running from the prison, I was just like, okay, I'm a sucker for this stuff, but the CGI is just too bad for me. Yeah. <laughs> like, I was yeah, like, like well designed. But just the work isn't there. Yeah. And they could have even done just like a basic, 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 um, like practical and then done an overlay of CGI and it would have looked way better than just yeah. full on. Yeah. He he does like pet it in kind of like dead airspace miming. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's so weird. Yeah. No, yeah, I, I you're I think you're right. Which another detail that I have in my brain for some reason is when he pets it, he gives it like really big pats. And I, I think it was because he told the director, like, oh, well, that's what you do with big dogs. You like, right. You like pat them. You don't just like pet them. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, you kind of, you, I, I mean, I, whenever I've had big dogs, you, you don't like, you're not hitting them, but you kind of beat, no. on, beat on them a little bit. <laughs> They're big. They like to get pushed around. Yeah. They could <laughs> yeah. take it. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so my other big, 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 big negative of this movie. Can I guess? Fuck Vin Diesel and his goddamn performance is so lazy in this movie. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ! Like I watched Pitch Black last night, and he's so fucking good. He's, he's trying. Dead. He's really good in that movie. Like his attitude, his delivery of dialogue, he's great. Yeah. And you look at this, and it's just everything is wrong. I'll say in the sequel, he's somewhere in between there. Like, he at least is showing a little more personality in Riddick, but he's still trying to be the one-liner machine, so it's like this weird balance in the third one. Yeah. They tried to make him cool, and it's just, no. In this, he's just way too cool for school throughout the entire movie. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I think you can kind of sum up it perfectly with um in Pitch Black, there's a scene where he has been captured and he's, you know, uh been uh detained, his his hands are, you know, kind of cuffed behind his back, and he has three different conversations with the the co pilot. I can't remember any of the characters' names, I'm sorry. Um Fry. Fry. <laughs> uh yeah, so Fry the co pilot, uh the cop that's been that had him on Johns. the ship Johns and then Jack okay so there's <laughs> yeah. all three characters um, and his personality shifts depend on who he's talking to in those yeah. different conversations so the whole dynamic changes as you're watching him sit in the same place and be you know himself right so that's excellent acting that's like an act that's an actor who's able to 
react to the other characters in his scene and and address them in the way that you know a murderer somebody who's trying to take advantage of the situation would and i think that plays into something you said earlier which was he's not the main character in pitch black exactly Exactly. mitchell is the main character of that movie and that you see him kind of just come in and out of scenes and stuff until like the midway to end of the movie where they're all forced into like the same spot all the time yeah yeah exactly but the the fact that he can carry as not the main character, not doing anything, just sitting in a chair and he can carry, shows me that Vin Diesel can fucking act. Like, he's got the yeah, ability yeah. in there. He's been good in things. Yeah, he, he got into Hollywood for a reason. It wasn't just, you know, but it I just mean, faded even over that time. first Fast and Furious movie, he's doing some work in that one. It's yeah, not until, yeah. like, when they come back around for the fourth one and all the others that he's just kind of there. Yeah. And, I mean, come on, the guy's Groot... <laughs> well, that that's because they uh, use him in a very limited fashion. He says one line, and that's it. Like exactly, he's a good it, ensemble I, player. Yeah, I've, yep. I've said before that if Dwayne the Rock Johnson is our generation's Arnold Schwarzenegger, then Vin Diesel's our generation's Chuck Norris. <laughs> I was going to say Sylvester Stallone, but you are that's probably closer. Sylvester Stallone could actually act when he gives it gives it that's his true. all. Okay. Plus, he's also a good director. So, whereas with Vin Diesel, like I don't see him as being that talented. I know that sounds yeah. bad, but I don't see him having. That hey, not much just talent. anybody could sell those total gems. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I just found out he's gonna be in Avatar too. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, he's been in that. Yeah, yeah, we know. I we, did not know this. We we've had that freak out a couple times. Kate <laughs> Winslet the- is gonna be in Avatar too. All right. All right. Uh, from from what I've been reading, apparently, like the the filming of that is highly experimental, and people are trying to get in on the the ground floor. Um, specifically, people that haven't had a a good in with like the bigger, you know, WB or DC or Marvel. I mean, Disney. say what you will about Avatar. I liked it more than most, but it you know t- that was a event movie, and it would make sense for people to want to be involved. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so, so I, I kind of have not a major issue with Riddick in that, like, the reason I won't revisit this movie as much as the first one or the third one is, is the Necromonger stuff. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. Could they have cast a more boring main villain? Like, there's nothing, (laughs) he may be, I'm not familiar with him outside of this movie, like, maybe he's done good stuff, I don't know, but in this movie specifically, he's not threatening, he's not scary looking, and like, I, I just don't, he should have been more menacing, and he's just kind of boring. Yeah, also, there's a huge coincidence, I think in the director's cut, this is established, that he's the one that actually tried to kill Yeah, he was the one that the prophecy was about. Right. And the fact that I'm like, how can you recognize him as a baby? And it's now like, what, 30 years later? Like, come wait, on. Wait, wait, wait. You're, you're telling me there's a Jesus Christ metaphor in here? Is that not in the theatrical <laughs> cut? No, that wasn't in my cut at all. Okay. No, it's not in the original cut. It's, not in the it's been a cut, long but... time since I've seen the original, so. But that's another thing is that it's just, I, I hate that prophecy bullshit. I can't stand prophecy. I hate the idea of destiny. It is such a cliched idea. And also, it basically means, oh, we know it's it's a writer's tool. We know where we want to get to, so we have to write to that story. Mm. And it makes everything seem a little too much like it's planned out ahead of time. Too much Which, happens. It's like, it's yeah. like if... 
It's like if Batman's parents were meant to be murdered so he could become Batman. That was a prophecy. Like, yeah, that which they have comes done. off. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> I think I think Batman Beyond essentially gets to that at some point. Uh, either in the show or the comics, I can't remember. <laughs> but it, it's but it's not about Bruce Wayne; it's about Terry McGinnis. Yeah, no, I, yeah, they re- they revealed that towards the end of Batman Beyond. Yes, that, that yeah, was the I whole think point they because that, he had like, the best genetics for to upbring the next Batman. So he yeah. picked and chose how to destroy a family to create a Batman. Yeah, Damn. that sounds right. I mean, Jesse, I'm I'm here with you. I'm I'm on the same page because wouldn't it be more fucking interesting? Let's say we keep all the necromonger stuff. Not to get into fix mode, but I'm just like thinking out loud here. Um, isn't it way more interesting for a murderer to happen his way onto the throne of a dynasty because he's real good at killing and that's it? Yeah. Well, yeah. Like, why does it have to be that he's like this this? puzzle piece to complete the universe like that makes no sense like right. what a fucking coincidence that he just happens to be there like like evil filling a vacuum like not to call riddick evil but like let's say he's at least bad um you know maliciousness filling a vacuum makes sense and him seeing that opening in power and also also knowing the rules of the necromongers you keep what you kill um which i, I- like that element of it and like yeah, like, what if that was the whole thing, was just like, oh, he accidentally killed this dude and didn't realize what he inherited. Right, yeah, exactly. I think it's way more interesting the less yeah. important he is. Exactly, because he'd be like, oh, well, let's see what I can do now instead of, yeah, it, that would have been so much better. And you could have told the same movie without that element, and it could have been relatively unchanged. Oh, 100%. I mean, that could have been that could have been the... Um, the rules of the prison. There's no reason they couldn't have a crazy warden that's like, yeah, anybody that can kill me can run the prison. But like even him <laughs> going back to uh, Helion Prime, it's not because he wants to like fulfill some prophecy. He wants to go save Jack. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, the whole thing pushing him through this story is like trying to rescue and protect Jack. Yeah. yeah. It, it, in which, which leads up to the problem. Like, is Jack part of the prophecy? Like, if that's the case, then what about in the first movie where he was going to leave everybody to die? <laughs> what, what if he did leave everybody? Then does the prophecy not get fulfilled? Then what? Yeah. That the prophet just starts rolling in their grave. This motherfucker was supposed to be. <laughs> Fucking Nostradamus was wrong, finally. Damn. <laughs> it's never happened before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think it just the the necromongers themselves aren't uninteresting to me. I would no. watch a movie about them. I would like to see a redesign on them though. They are a little bit yeah, uh, I get that they're dead, so they're supposed to be drab, but they're I a little love their like gravity dead? gun, though. Well, they're half dead, right? They're yeah, they're like the holy undead is what they kind of call them. Uh, sure. Okay. I, I think it's like their connect their connection through the Lord Marshall having gone to the underworld. I think he is the only one that is technically not fully alive, and that's why everybody, he's leading them all there. See, they're, they're way too vague about all this. Even oh yeah, like the sequel, <laughs> they have the chance to completely throw all this stuff out the window, but they, they manage to do it in the beginning and then wrap it back around at the end, so it's like, I don't know why they can't just let this stuff go. But yeah, they just yeah. never really explain what is going on with these people. Mm. Yeah, that brings up the question that I have, which is um, uh, so... If you're a necromonger, what happens if you die? I mean, you, you go just die. You go to the underverse. But, but if that's you've already all, been all they want to do. 
can you just come back? No, no, you're you're then ascribed to Lord Marshall's Lord Marshall's army on the other side. Okay, well, what about if Lord Marshall? Wh- why didn't the Lord Marshall like? He's conquering all these planets to get more people to join him, but then there's that point in the end of the movie where he just leaves like half of his army on Helion Prime so they can wipe out the planet. So basically, they gain nothing. Why not just take your entire army? that you currently have to the underverse, get them all super powered and then come back and conquer planets. No one would stop you. Well, cause they're, they're Fair trying question. to, they're trying to achieve the opposite. He's trying to get the best of the best through to the underverse and then command an underverse army to take over the underverse. He doesn't want our galaxy. He just needs the fodder from here to take over the underverse. Is any of this said I'm... anywhere? In the movie? No, no, <laughs> no. That's the thing that you're filling in your own gaps. You're filling in your own story, dude. This isn't that doesn't count. That works for me. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like <Uh-oh>. bullshit. <laughs> I mean, like they they work as a villain, but they should have been a villain in like a last Starfighter sequel or something. Like you want to see an army fighting these guys, not one dude. Yeah, that just like. Why is Riddick so important to taking these people down? Because of the What's, prophecy. He's the oh, prophecy. He's the last of his kind. It's but he's not. The only reason. They, he's, liter- they literally say he's not the last one. <laughs> that's the part that kills me, too. Yeah, like, and it's a self-fulfilling prophecy because if the dude didn't hear about the prophecy, he wouldn't go to Furia and kill them all, thus leaving Riddick the one to kill him. Like, it, it's stupid. Yeah. It's just it's it's all just a writer's gimmick just to get e- Vin Diesel's ego boosted. That's all it is. And you didn't need it at all. Yeah. No. Like the the every element of this movie, like every storyline of this movie, could still happen without that prophecy. Imam yeah. still tries to get Riddick here to help them. Riddick still tries to save Jack. Like those are the two things that keep making everybody butt heads. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why this character works better as a secondary character. You don't, he should not be the main character. Mm-mm. No, yeah, I. He is the Captain Jack Sparrow of this franchise. Thank you. <laughs> and just, just like that franchise, when they tried to make him the main character after the third film, it falls apart. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, I think we've covered the the majority of it. Does anybody have any specific nitpicks uh, that they have with the movie before we uh, move into the pitch? Fuck the dialogue. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I just love how everything's evaporated by the sun, but yet Riddick, who's already sensitive to light, can go and save Kira with the Tarzan swing well, and still come out <laughs> fine. He put he put that shield of water on his body. Oh, that wouldn't yeah, do shit. I was about to say. I was like that. Honestly, at that point, that would have just made his skin boil. Faster, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it really, would like it's have. it's like a fun action scene. So I'm kind of like whatever about it. But every time when he after he grabs her and lands up there, and you just <laughs> and see that fire smoke. shoot up, like wouldn't you just burn alive standing right. like so close yes. to that? Like how but strong is his... that shadow? Yeah, and right afterwards, don't they like outrun the sunrise? Like you can't really outrun yes. the sunrise. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I guess it. I guess it depends on how slow the sunrise is on that specific planet. Because like our sunrise is dependent on Earth and like our location. I can I can forgive the a sun, lot. The Earth is spinning around the sun at a hundred. Was it like eighteen hundred miles an hour? Uh, 
Can you run that speed, Seth? No, no, no. That's that's not how the the sunrise is based on the Earth's spinning. Look, I thought the Earth was flat, so I don't know what you guys are talking about. <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Seth, have you told Jared about the time that you made a flat Earther realize he was wrong? Oh. oh. <laughs> yeah. I, so I was in You're a bar. You're my favorite video on the internet. Uh, I, I was in a bar. This is a short story. I was in a bar, and this guy was talking to me about flatter stuff. And I was just, I didn't have the heart to to argue. Uh, also, like I don't argue with flat earthers because it's not worth it. Um, no, there's so, no point. So, uh, at, at, but at a certain point, he said something that like like kind of just like tripped me up, and I was like, wait, that doesn't make any sense. So I got a little more interested. And I was like, so explain how this works again. And so he explains, you know, the Earth is flat and the moon and the sun orbit opposite each other in a circle over top of our flat Earth. And and I was like, oh, interesting. So I guess that's how we get pictures of the back of the moon. And he goes, what do you mean? And I was like, oh, well, because on the round Earth, we don't see the back of the moon because it's in a synchronized orbit. We only see one side of the moon Ever. We have to fly past it to see the back of the moon. But on the flat Earth, I should be able to get a telescope out and see the back of the moon. And he was like, yeah, yeah, you should. And I was like, yeah, let's go do that. <laughs> Can't do that. <laughs> Doesn't work That's like amazing. that. I, there's always just like literally all you have to say about any conspiracy theory is, do you have any idea how many people would have to keep quiet about this to like not just have it yeah. out there in the public? Like, yeah, that doesn't yeah. make sense. Well, yeah, they don't want the simplest, easy version that breaks it, though. They they have to have it broken in front of their own eyes. But it's a, like, mm-hmm. how does the Earth being flat l- like make them control me? I still don't understand. Anyway. Yeah. It's just funny to laugh at them. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, overall, I, the fact that you kind of have to watch this one to get between Pitch Black and Riddick, or I guess you would, would you really have to? I mean, you don't have to, but the opening no. of the third one would be a little more confusing. Yeah, you kind of have to, unfortunately. It's like Quantum of Solace. You need to understand the wraparound story. <sighs> yeah. Fuck. That's unfortunate. <laughs> so, and what sucks is that the fourth movie that's in development now is, it's called, what is it called? Furia? Furia, right I think they're just calling it. Or Return to Furia, I think. Something like that. They're trying to wrap it around to that, and they're trying to like return to that planet. And... But why? That's what I want. Like, I understand reasons. the idea of, like, hey, this character <laughs> wants to know where he comes from, but it's allegedly a dead planet. What's the point of going there? Well, I'll, yeah, what, I'll, I'll tell you. you. No, I, I can explain the point, guys. It's because they want to do this movie again on a big like, uh, you know, CGI scale. Like, okay, this is the issue with the entire series. They want to do yeah. Warhammer. They want to do horror space survival. So they try to figure out ways to do both, i.e., uh, he's the master of the universe, special wonderkind, but also he needs to get stuck in prison because that's what people want to see. Uh, that's just going to keep continuing. Fury is just going to be, well, he's leading the army, but now he has to go prove himself on Furia or something. And then it's just going to turn back into survival. That's all that's going to happen. Like, I can predict this. I mean, yeah. it would still be better mm-hmm. than this, probably. J- just for the money alone going into it. I mean, it. It, it, it what about the TV show? <laughs> oh, yeah. What, isn't it, what's the TV show? What is it called? Merc uh, City. Si- Merc City. That's what it is. Yeah. Is this the most pathetic franchise? No. No, I, what, I would. I, what's what's worse than this? The Resident Evil uh, franchise uh, under oh, Paul yeah, Anderson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
but you're correct. <laughs> oh, yeah, a trailer just came out for the Netflix show. Yeah, a trailer for uh, the new uh, Resident Evil Netflix series. Wait, oh, they put out a trailer for that? The live action one? Well, it's a, it's a teaser. Yeah. Oh, yeah, teaser. Well, shit, I'll, I'll be right back. No. And you can hear it's it's nothing. <laughs> it's nothing. <laughs> I, I, so, spoiler, I read the script for the pilot of that show. Well, a script for the pilot of that show. It's not yeah. going to be good. Oh, no. Is it like Wesker's Kids or something like that? Yep. Who gives a shit? And it transitions between the world has hit an apocalypse and the past before the apocalypse, and it keeps bouncing back and forth. It's I don't know why oh, that franchise gosh. always has to make it an apocalypse. That never God. happened in the video games. Just do one fucking story. Why am I the one most qualified to solve your fucking problems, Hollywood? Jesus Christ. <laughs> I mean, my plan was to watch that new movie this weekend, but... We did. Yeah. Seth and I did. Hearing you two talk about it, it was funny, though. I will <laughs> I followed say. your Twitter thread. I was like, do I want to get this spoiled for me? And I was like, ah, sure, whatever. It's a Resident Evil movie. But uh, I don't know. I'm, I still plan on watching it. A coworker of mine saw it who's... Uh, me and him are big Resident Evil fans. And he's like, you know what? I liked more than I hated. And I'm like, good enough for me. So, that was gonna, basically I'm... our takeaway too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's kind of what I feel about uh, the Riddick franchise. I like more than I hate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's it. I feel bad being a little tough on it, but it it also is like this feels like it could live up to true greatness if they could yeah. figure their shit out. Yeah, mm-hmm. because you see it. It's a, it's in the cracks there. Like yeah. there are elements of this that even this one being bad, there are elements of this movie that are really good. Yeah. There's there's some good shot composition. There's some okay moments of action. But I will say I, one thing I had a problem with that Hope also had a problem with was the fucking editing. Oh, <laughs> Just, gosh. Oh, yeah. It was, it yeah. was like strobe light epilepsy city, and you couldn't see anything. Like, I, I was just like, it, this movie would be great if I could watch it. Like, honestly, <laughs> yeah. that's what Jesse and I kept saying. It'd be great if we could actually see the movie. I feel like I'm immune to bad editing after watching Resident Evil The Final Chapter to bring that oh, back around, because that is some of the worst shit I've ever seen. Yeah, Seth has a whole thing on his TikTok about that. <laughs> it's bad. Yeah, yeah, it's bad. Uh, I, but I think that's the problem with this series, is that uh, Vin Diesel's ego is what gets in the way, and I think this is around the time that he started getting a double to do a lot of the stuff for him. Like, I've heard three stories... Editors. Well, I've heard stories about how he'll either show up late or leave early from the set before he's done, so they have to get a double to do all of his shit for him. Well, that was the whole thing with him and The Rock, too. Yeah, that's why he, uh, The Rock stopped wanting to be involved in the franchise of Fast and Furious, because he realized, oh, Vin Diesel's just lazy. And he is. But Vin Diesel yeah, apparently is just lazy. He just does, he doesn't know his lines. He's sloppy. He doesn't put in any effort. And that's why but I he's think the he's producer, just... so he throws his weight around. Right. Yeah, he's the producer, so he can do whatever he wants. He can show up whenever he feels like and leave whatever he wants. Like that's like If the call time is 7 o'clock in the morning, you show up at 6.45, motherfucker. Yeah. You're, if you're not early, you're late. If I can drag my ass out of bed to show up for like... 350 bucks a day you can too okay <laughs> and yeah i guess this is the only good place to squeeze this in here because i don't know when this will come up otherwise but i teased before the show that he owns the rights to this franchise yeah, yeah. So he he owns the rights because he wanted to make another one uh i, I don't remember if this was before or after this one 
uh, I think after. Yeah, so he wanted to make another one, and they were like, no, we want you to be in the next Fast and Furious movie, which was Tokyo Drift, and he didn't want to do it because he had walked out of that franchise, but he agreed to do the cameo at the end of Tokyo Drift to get the rights for this franchise. That's crazy. So they they basically traded... And Tokyo Drift ended up doing huge money, partly because of his cameo. Also, it's a great movie. Um, and then he got to make Riddick by himself. You know, he's owner, producer, whatever. And then that, you know, they made it super cheap. It made a decent amount of money. And so he gets to make another one now. Yeah. That's crazy. I mean, okay. good, for, good for him. That sounds really smart. Um, yeah, he I seems to genuinely care about this franchise. Yeah. But at the same time, if... On paper. <laughs> well, yeah, that's the thing. If it's a vanity project and this is all about ego boosting, why would you only half-ass your effort? What? What? Why not put in 110%? Like, if you want to show off how good you are, fucking commit. You yeah. Know? This is why you're in the Jivenich, Kinnaming Temple, Woodland Bowl <laughs> amalgamation human being, okay? Right. Put in some fucking effort. Well, you know, you know I think what it comes down to is similar to what we've noticed as being an, a problem in the MCU is like David Toohey, go look at his filmography. He has not done much else besides Riddick movies. No. Which to me no. tells not as a director. Yeah. Uh, and so as a director, like what, what is his voice? What is his vision like? And that just kind of informs me. David's probably buddies with Vin and he's probably a functional working director and the a lot of the other stuff gets pushed off onto art departments and creative oh, wow. departments and things like that. Um, yeah, he has. Not, I think he's done like two or he three. He was a writer on Waterworld. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, gosh. he also wrote The Fugitive. Like The Fugitive is a great. Yeah. Film. Looking at his filmography, I think I'm going to go out on the limb and say his best movie is the Charlie Sheen alien movie, The Arrival. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like, I, I guess. The uh, what what I want to trying to arrive at is I don't know if if Vin could work with someone who could envision something in the Riddick world like make it a, an artistic statement. I think it would overwhelm Vin's voice within that, and that's what he doesn't want. Like he wants at least that kind of control. So the mediocrity. Well, remember, David Tui is also the writer. He wrote all three. Right, exactly. But like, if 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 you're doing these as as like pay for higher work because your buddy is a producer in Hollywood. Like, producers start the project. Your directors ordinarily don't. Um, now, like, and David Toohey probably comes on early because he's writing, right? But he's writing yeah. along with Vin as the producer trying to keep that that ball rolling. And then the the director job takes over at a certain point in, in pre-production. But I, I guess I, my, my concern is that, like, obviously Toohey's doing the fourth one as well. That, to me, Script just... is done. Yeah, to me, that just screams more of the same. I don't... I don't see the mediocrity lifting off of it, and it could. It definitely the thing could. Is, I think he's a competent enough director. Like as far as like, hey, these movies, like you know, the shots and stuff are fine. It's just how like cheap everything looks. Yeah, and I don't know. Like may- maybe a co-director could go a long way. Yeah, yeah, an artistic director. So just s- somebody that can that can capture a like modern artistic. <laughs> image because like even for 2004 this looks like 90s star trek at times yeah mm-hmm. and the third one looks even worse at times oh god because well, the budget even went down on the third 
Yeah. But also, the third one has uh, a lot of really horrible misogynistic stuff in it. Very much I so. Really fucking hate. Like to be uh, fair, they all do. But well, the third yeah. one was well past the point where it was like kind of accepted. Yeah, like Katie Sackhoff, who I absolutely love, and she's Starbuck on Battlestar Galactica. She's she plays a lesbian in that film, and it's kind of, and uh, uh, Riddick says, "I'm gonna go balls deep on Doll over there, uh, Katie Sackhoff's character," and then and it's like, "Oh well, they're gonna hook up at the end." It's like so basically, it reminds me of that scene in Chasing Amy where uh, Ben Affleck's friend says that all a lesbian really needs is a good deep dicking. <laughs> yeah, or in uh, Goldfinger when James Bond turns a lesbian by kissing her. Oh yeah, there's that too. But, like, I want to see a Riddick movie directed by David Toohey, but shot by Roger Deakins. Like, oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, Jesus Christ. I want to see that kind of chaos. See, that that just sounds like the village in space, and I'm very much here for it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, jeez. I mean, if it looked really good, I'd go see the fourth one, but I have a feeling it's going to look just like the third Riddick movie. Yeah, I assume the budget for that will be pretty low. It'll probably be identical, if not like two more million dollars to round it up to forty. Yeah, I just this is a franchise that's kind of like you got one more in the tank and then just end it, dude. Like it just yeah, it's... I I see what you're trying to do here, but you're trying a little too hard. This should be more like an Escape from New York or Escape from L.A. Just a yeah. simple story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sell sell the character to comics or video games at that point because that's yeah. what's been yeah. doing it's better, a... anyways. Yeah. 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 Escape from Butcher Bay is a quality game if you can find it. The sequel is not bad either. They did the the sequel Assault on Dark Athena and then oh, they yeah. re, they remastered Escape from Butcher Bay and put them on the same disc for PS3 and yeah. it's still awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's really good. It's a great game. I, I'm also kind of curious um does this world work without Riddick in it? Like could you tell other stories beyond his in here because Well, they're going to try. Yeah. Yeah, they're going to try. I, I that was something that Hope and I pointed out when we were watching uh, this film. It's like, is there anybody else in this universe except for the Necromongers and mercenaries? <laughs> yeah, because yeah. Jesse was like, isn't there regular cops? I was like, oh, sweetie, that means there actually has to be real people and characters. Yeah. <laughs> well, the Necromongers destroy their military as soon as they arrived. They uh, said they have that line, we killed your military in one night. Didn't they say the same thing in, uh, what was it, Battlefield Earth? Your planet put up a measly seven-minute fight. We don't talk about <laughs> you haven't seen Battlefield oh, Earth. Oh, oh, oh. We don't talk about that. Look, I have my limits on bad movies. That one's on uh, That one's on the dreaded 10. We will not touch that on Film Rescue. Never, yeah, never, no, never, never, never. Don't. I'd rather lobotomize myself. I'd rather accidentally discover a bad movie than, like, go out of my way for them. Now, I would love to get either drunk or high on Discord with everybody and watch it, though. I, like, if that's an option, I would do that. I mean, I'd be down for I mean, that. It's always an option. But... <laughs> uh, I'm not going to watch it sober on my own time for a podcast, though. Okay, we're totally doing Battlefield Earth for a movie. Hell yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> I'm getting so so shitty drunk, and I'm just watching Battlefield Earth. Everybody just like so we can shit on the movie. Love it. I love it. As I say, as uh, Zach Braff would say, I want to get a lot of God's lettuce beforehand. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I'll I'll take an edible, and I generally don't indulge in that, so I get really really bad. Ooh, yeah, (laughs) yeah. Those can be dangerous, my friend. Yeah, boy. Um, well, let's uh, let's take a quick break and then jump into some some pitching. I don't think we've we we don't 
we have not established an official uh, pitcher yet. I know we all probably have some ideas, so we'll just turn it into a writer's room and see what we come up with. Sounds good. Cool. We will be right back. Hey, everybody, this is Chris Chipman, a.k.a. The Chippa. You may remember me from an episode of the Film Rescue Show where I talked about Serenity. No, 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 not the Joss Whedon one, the really, really, really terrible one with Matthew McConaughey. No, you didn't catch that episode? Oh, whoa, you you did catch that episode? Well, either way, come check me out, um, because you're listening to a podcast. And, you know, when you're listening to a podcast, you really want to listen to other podcasts. You can find me by searching The Chippa Made This anywhere podcasts are found. You will find all of my shows. I do four of them. I do the Chipman Brothers Tangent Podcast with my brother, Movie Bob. I do Creating Geeks, a parenting podcast of great responsibility with my wife. I do the Talkbuster Podcast, all about the video rental industry. And I do Shooting the Shit with Chippa, which is just my excuse to talk to more people without any real um, plan or point. Um, also, uh, the Film Rescue Show's own Seth Decker is the editor on my show, This Made the Chippa, which you can find by going to patreon.com slash the Chippa and supporting me for $2 or more. You'll get access to that, as well as my show Hopped Ones, which is just like the Spicy Wing Challenge show, uh, Hot Ones, but we drink beer. So if you enjoy all of that stuff and just like a happy, positive guy on the internet that also makes podcasts, go and find me, and I'm happy to share all this crap with you guys. Bye. Welcome back to the show. We're discussing Chronicles of Riddick, directed by David Toohey. Uh, we've kind of gone through the the long and the short of the things that we liked and disliked about the movie overall. Not bad. Definitely not the best in the series. Uh, there's some things to complain about for sure, but it's not a terrible watch. I wouldn't turn it off if it was on. I'll put it that way. It's a solid C. Yeah. Um, but let's uh, let's dive into some ideas on how to fix this. So, right out the gate, I have a quick pitch for you guys. Um, let's let's just say that we land on the the prison as being the more interesting uh, of the plots that we could run with here. Right? They put out the video oh, yeah. game, like Jesse said, which did pretty well. It was pretty well received. So let's just say, hey, we want to get those movie tickets as well. Let's make a movie here. What I would do in that case is I would actually swap it out so that Riddick is the one already in the prison and it's Imam sending Jack or Kira to prison on the specific purpose of getting Riddick out for, I guess, whatever the next movie would be. But, you know, it's, it's, Honestly, it's a Riddick rescue mission. Oh, did I? Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, you know, originally, I the entire time, I'm just like, oh, just place the whole movie in crematoria. That is the beginning and end of my pitch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, while we were talking and you brought up the point of he's better as a side character, I was like, oh, you're kind of right. And the, that idea kind of popped in my head. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think throwing him off and into the side lets, lets him develop a little bit. Like, what if he's been cooking in prison for the last five years? What if he's, like, angrier than we've seen him since since Pitch Black. You know what I mean? Yeah, or he's just this dude who lives off in the sequestered part of the prison that no one goes into because, like, oh, nobody goes over there. Right. And she goes over there, and it's just him, you know, kind of emerging out of the shadows. Like, he just kind of appears in the movie at some point. I have an old Star Wars fanfic. I need to look up and see if I can adapt any of this into the plot because it's starting to sound very familiar to me. Um, Jesse, there is something like that that's kind of in um in Butcher Bay. The uh, 
in the game, there's the basically the way you get to certain levels is that they go to deeper and deeper areas of the prison that are more high security. Like the first area is just like general population. Second yeah. part is the mines. You like literally just keep breaking out of the different areas, so they just keep yeah. sending you to the worst and worst parts. <laughs> to the, eventually, like the last one is uh, what is it like? Cryo um, freeze, sl- basically. Cryo freeze, where they give you five minutes of exercise per day, and then they dump you back into cryo freeze for another twenty-three hours, fifty-five minutes. Damn. <laughs> like you, like, and Riddick has to just like keep falling asleep over and over and over again until eventually, just by luck, he gets out. So. That's crazy. Yeah, it's a great game. It's Unfortunately, so it's not remastered for modern systems. So if you have to, if you want to get it, you got to get on the last gen system. Oh no! Or yeah. Well, so I, I did look. The PC version is no longer available on GOG. Oh, so you, you'd have oh, to already sucks. have it. But yeah, so PlayStation Three is your only, or three sixty is your only option now. I still have the classic Xbox original, the original Xbox version. I still have it. Really? <laughs> it was the reason I bought an Xbox. Uh, yeah, and the original Xbox that I have still functions. Like, remember when those old systems, like you could drop them down a flight of stairs and they would be just fine. Oh yeah, Hell I yeah. still now have you- my original original PlayStation, and I still play yep. games on it. Are you kidding me? <laughs> like, yeah, I currently have a PS2, PS3, and PS4 hooked up to the same TV. <laughs> but now I feel like if you have the PS5, you breathe on it too hard, the thing fucking explodes in front of you. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you could say the same thing about like cell phones remember those like those old nokias where you could literally drop a nuke and it would be fine like yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I eventually had to get an extra fan to sit next to my ps5 for running returnal um <laughs> but you run that thing forever and it'd be like oh my god please it's screaming dude when you get deep in the game and it's just like all bullets on the screen it's like oh god the, the ps5 just you can hear the fan just like oh here we go <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my PS4 is getting older now and just sounds like a jet engine. <laughs> yep, yep, mine, mine's That's too. what happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the GameCube had a handle on it. You can just swing that thing around. That was my favorite. <sighs> oh, I miss my old GameCube. I have one. Still have it. I have, well, the thing is, I have a, I have a Wii and I have all my old GameCube games because it's backwards compatible. So yeah. at least I can yeah. still oh, yeah. play them. But There you go. Back when they were nice to us. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not so much anymore. <laughs> so for for Chronicles of Riddick, um, something that popped into my head, and I wanted to see how it landed with you guys. Um, the Chronicles part of the title uh, always interested me, right? Because it sounds like more than one story. What if you did like a like a Riddick anthology movie where you got a bunch of like small directors to come in and do Riddick short stories? I'd actually be kind of into that. Yeah, like, honestly, I'd, that. I'd be totally with just dropping that title. Like, I, I guess you'd have to come up with a completely new title because you can't call it Riddick because the third one's already called. Oh, it. I would just call it. Butch- but, um, I would just call it Butcher's Bay. But like, Riddick doesn't have to be in the title. The first one's called Pitch Black. Like, yeah. Well, they they, they eventually re-released. Yeah, they retitled it. Yeah. Oh, did they? Now it's yeah. Now it's uh, the Chronicles of Riddick. Pitch Black. Oh, boo. Yeah. Okay. I, I believe on, like, I don't think it's in the means, movie, but on, like, the cover of the Blu-ray and stuff. But doesn't now. that mean that the third movie is called The Chronicles of Riddick? Riddick? <laughs> no, that one's just Riddick. <laughs> Fuck off, dude! <laughs> That's not one of Riddick's Chronicles. <laughs> this guy can't name a franchise. Have you seen the no. titles of the Fast and Furious movies? True, oh, yeah, true. It's a, it's I didn't even that. know what they were going to put on the cover of the newest one. Isn't it just <laughs> F9? 
Well, so I'm looking at it right now on my shelf, and the side says F9, The Fast Saga. Wow. So I guess that is the official name. Mm. I mean, good for them, but wow. <laughs> but they also, like, in one of those, they changed the name, but it already made it into the movie, so it has a different name than what's on the box. Uh, I think it's the sixth one, because they were going to do, after Fast Five, it was going to be Furious Six, but they didn't do that they ended up calling it fast and furious six but i think in the movie it still says furious six but then they just called the next one furious seven yeah hmm. so they're all over the place this the- is why i'm not that interested in that franchise <laughs> oh it's not punching people with cars that's not the reason you're out <laughs> <laughs> no they drive a car through three skyscrapers it's amazing <laughs> <laughs> and then how they like parachute off with the car into and land perfectly yeah oh yeah, yeah it's uh man i'm gonna watch those again <laughs> i was actually just watching the first one last night um just for fun first one's just uh what's that movie i'm blanking on the name oh point, point break. break yeah yeah point break i <laughs> i i like fast and furious more than point break i know that's a hot take but <laughs> i mean i watched point break recently and i would agree with you that's just still me. a great movie. Well, um, I was what I was leaning into there with the Chronicles thing was what if we each came up with a Riddick short story and we can say that the, our four shorts make up the Chronicles anthology movie. I mean, you almost have two of them in this movie, yeah, because right. you could because expand the opening, yeah. Well, no, I mean, even even just dealing with the stuff, like take out the Necromonger stuff, get rid of all that whole cloth, but you could just do him evading the mercenaries on some planet as one and then him in prison as another. Yeah. Yeah. That's two stories right there. Riddick avoiding the mercenaries sounds like Riddick home alone, Um, which, (laughs) which if you're going to do that, you could also make it a Christmas episode as well. Like the one thing Riddick has held onto is he still celebrates Christmas out in the wilderness. (laughs) (laughs) Directed by Shane Black. Dude. Yes. Please. Um, I actually Could, just couldn't, gotta... be, couldn't this basically be like Predator and just have Vin Diesel's Riddick be the Predator? Yeah, yeah, you could do that. I've always wanted that out of a Batman movie, but I'll settle for Riddick. Well, I think the new Batman's supposed to be that. So, yeah, I, 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 I know they've said that, but I think there's going to be a, a lot of Robert Pattinson brooding in it. I would not be surprised. <laughs> Only time will tell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, what, okay, so I don't know why VHS popped in my head, but, yeah. so what if the, so if you're going to do an anthology, you need a wraparound, what if the wraparound is him in, like, the Merc ship, like he is in this one, how they have him all strapped in the back, and he's just kind of, like, reliving memories of his other times he's tangled with mercs so that's they kind of keep cutting back to him being transported to some prison and you know at the, at the beginning of the movie you have him captured at the end of the movie he has to escape but in the meantime you're telling these other stories interesting and this is in, and is this in between when he's being molested or what what <laughs> oh the oh uh that might only be in the director's cut oh yeah that's, when that's uh funny. when he's on the ship and they're transporting him to crematoria <laughs> christina cox like yeah. Un- unbuckles her thing and goes over and like sniffs him and then yeah. like she she takes off his goggles and he opens his eyes and she freaks out and he like grabs her with his legs and he's just like you know you grind your teeth when you sleep that okay and... i i wow i feel like i missed a lot not watching the director's cut 
<laughs> it's uh yeah, it's quite an experience. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, yeah, there, there's some really just weird shit in the director's cut that's not really there for any purpose other than it's just weird. Yeah, yeah I'm trying to think if you any know. of it is like, oh, I would have totally kept that, but none of it really no, matters. None of it. There's a reason the director's director's cut is like 15 minutes longer. It's just a bunch of extraneous junk. Yeah. Yeah. Like, there's maybe a couple little, like, tiny moments. Like, for example, when the, um, the Necromongers are giving their speech in the beginning, like, after they take over the planet, there's just, like, this one throwaway shot where, like, you know, he mentions, like, oh, you know, we take you to the threshold, and then all the Necromongers chant, threshold, take us to the threshold. And, like, oh, that little, like, kind of moment of them as a cult. Like, you can keep something like that yeah. in there. yeah. But then it also ruins the scene where Riddick takes the knife out of the dude's back and stabs him. And the director's cut, he stabs him three times. And I think that kind of hurts that moment. Interesting. You just need the yeah. one. Just the one looks good. I do like the line where uh, where he does say, that was one of my best men. And he just goes, well, if you say so. If you say <laughs> so. Yes. Yeah, he's, got yes. some, he's got some good one-liners sometimes. <laughs> I, I think that's, um, that's a unique skill to carry and i i think vin diesel can do it about half the time he, he's he's got a pretty good record he's definitely not a um he did it in the original pitch black yeah, yeah. oh yeah mm-hmm. i think he was better at it in the original pitch black but also because we weren't expecting it either we didn't know anything about and him. he wasn't only speaking in one-liners like he is in this one yeah. right yeah that one he he's like really giving it his all as an actor yeah, I, they also give him all of the like diegetic lines explaining things about the universe without talking about them directly. Mm-hmm. I, I really like he just talks about things as if we know what they are. And I kind of like that. Yeah. yeah so if we're going to mm-hmm. fix this one, give him his personality back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. He's he... so stoic all the time. He's not like interesting or charismatic. The original yeah. film, he's very charismatic. He's like suave at some time. Like, there's the one scene where he's talking to Fry he's in like, the ship, yeah. and he's like, you know, what do you think? Should I should I believe John's, you know? And then, you know, oh, kind of yeah. plants the seed of doubt about him as a character as well. Like, there's some good work going on there. Well, the fact that he can even just stand around in a group in pitch black when they're like discussing what to do with the planet, he's not hooked up to anything. They, you know, they let him off the leash at that point. He's just standing around with the group. So the idea that he has to be this like fully loner all the time, I just, I don't buy it. Yeah. And it, it's kind of like, you know, at the end of the first movie, they're talking about like, you know, what do we say happened with Riddick? And he's like, tell them the truth. Riddick died on that planet. Like, he's supposed to be a new character by the end of this movie, but then you, you come back into this one. He's like, Nope, I'm just out living on my own and trying to stay away from people. Yeah. They basically Mm -hmm. reset his entire character arc with this. That's, that's the biggest change I would make is don't throw away everything that was set up at the end of the first film. (laughs) Like he's trying to be a different person, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Aside from, like, taking characters and, like, specific plot points from the first movie, they almost act like the first one didn't happen. Yeah. Yeah, it, like, they, they the relationships bleed over, but they could have happened anywhere. Like, they, they kind of, ta- I don't want to call it taking advantage, but they definitely use the fact that we know what happened in Pitch Black uh, to fill in minor gaps. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And, you know, yeah. it's it's the whole connection with uh, Keith David's character, like, Imam. Like, that's the only reason he's there. 
Yeah, I so I I still don't fully follow the logic there. Imam sent the mercenaries to oh, get him. Oh yeah. So also sorry. Uh, extended edition <laughs> director's cut. They they show a little more about that. Or uh, yeah. there's a scene where he's like walking around Helion Prime, and it's probably good. This isn't in the theatrical cut because all of the sets look like really bad, like TV show sets. But um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's it's uh him just walking around the town and you're hearing everybody talk about how scared they are about because there's the implication that like some people don't believe the necromongers are real but the meteor which is actually their group of ships is like the sign of them coming so there's a lot of people talking about that like oh was it real should we be getting out of here like what's going on and that's why he sent out to have Riddick brought there to like help them but that doesn't make any sense like why did why would you go get this. You don't have a fucking army to stop these Well, fuckers? not only that, why wouldn't you just say, hey, let's fucking evacuate instead yeah, of let's, yeah. let's, well, let's instead of just waiting? I, I believe it's a holy planet. That's why he's there. So? <laughs> so? So what? Like, it doesn't change the fact that, that you know, they're going to come, they're going to just conquer the whole fucking thing. But But the movie has to happen. <laughs> so they can get That's them like line. mid mid evac or something but i don't know yeah and by the way that also brings up something that was kind of annoying to me this is going back to the negatives um i always hate it in like sci-fi movies or fantasy movies where everyone wears like browns and beige yeah like the costume design i hate in this movie it is just like like nobody say what you will about that cyberpunk game 2099 yeah is, yeah, but at least everyone feels like an actual person. They have like yeah. decals and they have logos on their shirts, their favorite bands or whatever. Like at least everything feels like it has a personality to it. This yeah. universe has zero personality. It's just shades you know? of brown, black and gray. But mm-hmm. but the worlds are bright and colorful, like the planets and stuff. I would appreciate a film that was set in a sci-fi universe where there was like a music scene or there was like a film scene like something beyond just people living dull lives <laughs> please yeah and even that scene in the director's cut of imam walking around helion prime it, it's all people just uh like it's like a market from like olden times like yeah. You're, yeah. You're, you have spaceships like why are you doing this <laughs> yeah like just a little bit more uh, of a uh, eccentric world would be much more appreciated. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't. I can't describe how crazy it was the first time I saw Guardians of the Galaxy, and that chick alien pops out of Quill's uh, <laughs> basement in the ship, and she's wearing a graphic tee, and I was like, "Oh fuck yeah!" I guess people would still wear T-shirts, wouldn't they? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. not always just like crazy yeah. stuff. It's yeah. I mean, I'm if not- it's me, I'm wearing T-shirts. I'm going to argue that Guardians of the Galaxy is probably the most accurate interpretation of what an intergalactic society would look like. <laughs> and not probably only not just wrong. that, but you see a vast difference of societies as well. So yeah. It's not just like all one the same people. Well, and yeah. then we that's when we wrap back around on director's vision. Like James Gunn went into that very purposefully trying to not ape Star Wars and make his own thing. Um <laughs> And then here we are in Riddick. <laughs> yeah, and it's just like the most bland visuals you could possibly come up with. Yeah. Like, uh, James, Gunn's, James Gunn's Riddick would be insane. Oh, I'd love to see it, honestly. Yeah. 
Yeah. It'll never happen, but it'd be nice. I was <laughs> no. say, that could have been a very successful trilogy at that point. Bring them in to save the franchise. I mean, they're friends now. True. Yeah. We assume. I, <laughs> <laughs> maybe that. Maybe that's the end. Maybe that's the swap out. <clears throat> hey, what? James. James is going to Once you've done Guardians 3. Yeah. <laughs> I need you to come in and help me out with uh, the fourth Riddick movie once you're done with Guardians 3. I'll say I am Groot until the day I die. <laughs> yeah. Hand him the script. Oh, this is cute. Did you let your son write this? <laughs> is English your second language? Damn. <laughs> David Tui, so you- I'm sure you're a nice man. Uh, so you're really committed to this Necromonger's idea, aren't you? <laughs> Like, they had the opportunity to get rid of it in the third movie, and they don't. It blows me away. You know, another issue with the Necromongers that, like, if I were to pitch, like, how to redo just that aspect of the movie, let's say that, like, our studio notes are we have to do exactly the same thing over, but with better results, right? I think the Necromongers are just too huge. They shouldn't be a conquering army. Um, What if they're a mercenary group or something? Well, no, I, I'm thinking more along along the lines of what if they're like a what if they're kind of more like a pilgrimage that we don't know has like violent tendencies on the inside, so like a violent cult pilgrimage. Or, or where, what about like uh, the Mongols going from town to town? Yeah, yeah, like they're they they don't have their own home planet. They they like the, them blowing up planets. Uh, you know, uh, I think they show that at one point, like planets who don't give themselves over they like destroy well, the, them yeah they kill everyone who doesn't convert so everyone just gets left on the planet and they scorch the surface right so that that's the part to me that's too huge it should be like yeah we show up with our ships we collect a bunch of stuff and then we leave and now your economy and like you know planets in tatters but it's still usable um and and it, it i think what i'm what i'm shooting for here is that i I want it to feel like you would want to join them and not that you have to join them that should be the scariest part is that we we never know where characters are going to land on this nebulous idea of the necromongers versus the like these guys are straight up the evil oh, empire okay so your basic all the thing that's popping into my head right now is if you're an anime fan all I can think about right now is Frieza's army from Dragon Ball Z is what you're describing. Yes. Yeah. That is what you're yeah. describing. <laughs> Except not stupid. Yes. Well, obviously, <laughs> you know, and, you know, we don't have the Ginyu squad that just likes to dance, but. Um, <laughs> right. But I that, mean, maybe that's... it's just because. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I'm just saying that's what he's describing. I feel like. <laughs> Yeah, it should be one of those things where, like, powerful people are drawn towards it. That's why Vako's here. He really genuinely believes he could take over the Lord Marshal at, at a certain point. Like, everyone here is here because they're powerful and conniving. And Riddick it, is not interested in any of that, right? But then he gets dropped into the middle of it. And all of a sudden, he's the one that's equipped to do shit. Because he's not, you know, in, involved in the politics of all of it. Uh, maybe this is just because I haven't stopped thinking about this show since I watched it, but I'm thinking Midnight Mass, and honestly, organized religion is is kind of just that thing. Like, maybe yeah. it's a group that, you know, they seem peaceful because they're here on a pilgrimage or whatever, but then as people are getting roped into them, you're finding out they're a lot more dangerous, and when things don't go their way, that's when it turns violent. 
Yeah, yeah, like they could have, you know, Riddick sent to prison instead of it being this, like, mission for him. It, it can be part of their way to get rid of him while they're trying to take over Helion Prime. I guess I guess they're like, their show of force is so strong that I don't believe that Riddick is a genuine threat to them, even if he is the most powerful being in the universe, according to the director's cut. Yeah. Well, what do you guys think? Uh, like, do you, do you like the idea of doing anything with Riddick in regards to a cult? Do you think he should be stuck in that horror survival mode? Um, is there another vein that he might pop out better in that's not, you know, Riddick versus space Catholics? Uh, what if it was, if we're going to do it as like an escape movie, what if he's, they're trying to force him to convert and just basically escape from the cult? Oh. You know, just, just like, uh, th- this should be like Escape from New York or Escape from L.A., where it's just like Snake Plissken this whole thing. Just get, just get out. Escape. I was about to say, and then like, you can, that's imp- your, yeah. That's his abilities, is that he can see in the dark. Yeah. That, and you can still involve Jack. Yeah, we could still involve Jack in this whole thing. Like, that's... Like, oh, isn't it a weird fucking coincidence that Jack just happens to show up in the middle of this movie and just happens to be on the same planet that he gets sent to? Well, that's a big fucking coincidence. Yeah, I, I feel like the movie at different no, times tries to... it. Yeah, they try to play it off like he planned it that way. Um, but, like, I don't think he was planning on the mercenaries picking him up after he escaped from the Necromongers, so... No, he was planning yeah. on going BS. there anyway, but it was it was like, oh, well, you captured me, I might as well just do this now. Oh, the, the most convenient way in. I mean, if that had been expressed, I would applaud it. Yeah. Also, another great line I love in that movie is when he talks about the difference between prisoners and convicts. He's like, which one are you? And he's like, me? I'm just passing through. I like that line. <laughs> it's dumb. But a good dub. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like when they're discussing the prisons and he's like, oh, yeah, that one prison keeps a cell open for me, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Which that's where they drop the Butcher Bay reference. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, exactly. But he's like, protein waffles aren't bad. <laughs> like he's just making fun of all these prisons. That's so funny because protein waffles are a real thing now and I see them all the time. Yeah. I bet in 2004, that sounded super scientific. Yeah, that sounded scientific. Oh, yeah. now. It's It's just... I, it's just egos with protein powder cooked I, into it. I go to yeah. I go to Publix and they're in the freezer aisle, like yeah. Which like y- if you can get eighty grams of protein out of waffles in your breakfast in the morning, I guess you're not doing too bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh well. Um, yeah, I think prison escape is is definitely a good way, or even just planetary escape. Yeah, like I have in my head that. I, although I can't figure out what brings him there, is that Jack should be on the planet with Imam. And something should be bringing Riddick there, and then whatever happens on the planet, and then they all have to escape the planet. But I, I can't figure out what, what it would be that would actually bring him there that this version of the character would actually care about. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think back to like like connecting character moments in pitch black that you could use at this point to like spell things out. Um the problem is they're the only three characters that live. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I I'm trying to think like what if something happened on the jump ship when they got off of the planet from pitch black? That's that's Dark Fury. That's Dark Fury. Oh. Yeah, there's a inner there's an inner Mediary story called Dark Fury, where uh, after they escape the planet, uh, 
doesn't it like the skiff like die of power or something like that? It like it, it I just think drifts. so. They yeah, get picked, they up, get by picked this, up Yeah, by this other mercenary group that uh, it's like this deranged person that captures human beings and turns them into art pieces. They like freeze their body into place yeah. or something Ooh. like that. Yeah, it's it's really weird. Uh, it's okay. also it's, it's a good. the same plot of the second video game, Assault on Dark Athena, is after they escape from Butcher Bay in a ship, their ship gets picked up by a merc yep. ship, and it's a, the same story twice. Yeah, yeah. same story. <laughs> There's not that's another problem with this franchise is that you're kind of stuck because Pitch Black really should have only been a one-off film. Yeah, I yeah. agree. It that, re- it this really stayed. should not be. Yeah, that this should not have been a franchise to begin with. But if you have to make it a franchise, like I, I've I've said this before, it's the simple film conundrum. Like Halloween, Jaws, John Wick. The more simple the concept, the harder it is to pull a franchise out of it. Yeah, that's so why. I what think is this the film most successful? So what is the most successful franchise based on a similar style character? Would it maybe be John Wick? But John Wick, all those movies are pretty good, though. I do. Yeah, love well, that, that, that's John what I'm Wick. saying. Successful. Like, what can we? What can we? What franchise can we look at that did really well with a similar style of character and apply it to this one? Yeah, like how did John Wick two up the stakes in a way that even though the first yeah. one was simple, we stayed engaged. Um, they, I mean, with that franchise, each one they still keep it simple, but they're just adding in little bits with each movie. So they're not just dumping in a ton of stuff. Just each movie is giving you a little more. Yeah. So like, if I remember correctly, because I haven't seen two in a minute either. Um, two's the one where he owed a debt to a guy. Yeah. Yeah. That gets yeah. called he owed in. The debt, and since he since he went out and had his murder spree, he's like, "All right, well, you're back in, so I'm calling in my debt now." Mm. But, but then he tries to kill him after he calls in his debt. Yeah. And that's what sets off the uh, the events of the third film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what what if in our story we do something like um, because Richard B. Riddick air quotes has died air quotes a mysterious figure from his past can now reappear and be like hey Ooh. now that you're out of the limelight I could use you again real quick which technically in a very roundabout way is what happens in this movie it is a mysterious figure from his past but this right. sounds like a much better way to do it yeah. Because um, then you could you could flesh out that character as being you know kind of um, opposed to Riddick uh, you know kind of on a on a logical level. Um, okay, I think I have something. Okay, let's say Riddick is different after the first movie. He's living on whatever planet with Imam and Jack. Like oh, he maybe got not all maybe not all together, but they're on the same planet. Maybe Riddick lives out on some treehouse somewhere or whatever. He's alone, but in proximity. Yeah. Okay. And um, he has a mercenary from his past who maybe they were buddies at one point, and he turned on him, and then you know maybe that ties into why he's a convict in the first place. Yeah. Uh, he rolls into town, you know, this stranger, and he maybe kills Imam and or Jack or both or takes one of them hostage, and that kind of forces Riddick into, and it becomes kind of like a revenge story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We we could you could definitely use tombs in that role too. That, yeah, they, absolutely. They would work really well against each other. Maybe that's his old friend. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe Tombs and him were like soldiers together, and Tombs became a mercenary while Riddick became a criminal. 
Yeah. Okay. And, you know, Thandie Newton, just to keep her in this movie doing what she does, (laughs) that's just one of his crew. I don't know (laughs) what that was. (laughs) Sound of inspiration. (laughs) Hope. This would happen. I I like the idea of. (laughs) This is what happens when you let the dogs touch your phone. Oh, true. <laughs> I mean, no, I thought I, we were just emphasizing the point that my idea was pretty good. Well, I mean, no, I, no. I have said that the dog is the unofficial mascot, so he was just contributing. <laughs> oh, all right. I think, I, I think I've got Are you going to thing- give him a dog? Are you going to give him a dog? <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah let's so give him a dog. The dog. Why not? Why not? <laughs> he had one in the third movie. I mean, might as well. True. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Um, that stuff right. was great, so. I think I figured out how to tie this all together. So so that's our starting point, right? Uh, Toombs comes back. Um, he is there to recruit uh, Riddick for this. Uh, uh, he, he's going to take him to talk to somebody. And we don't find out who those somebodies are yet. And Riddick's like, you know, doesn't want to go initially. He's pretty happy there with Kira and Imam. Um, but then, you know, Toombs calls in some kind of Furian, uh, you know, favor that uh riddick can't turn down so kira agrees to go with him much to his dismay uh imam says you know it's a good idea he doesn't have to work on his own all the time she can watch his back she's developed a lot as a person right so they all go off and this is where we meet the main villains of the film and it's the vacos just cut out lord marshall entirely carl urban and thandy newton run this necromonger cult on just one planet. They're not conquerors. They just have their own planet, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we find out that the reason they want Riddick is that they want to put him up against a bunch of their people, gladiator style, so that they can have a warrior to go to the Underverse for the Vakos as their, like, arbiter. Hmm. That's more interesting than just, yeah. like, oh, yeah. <laughs> so... so- so it's yeah. like a it's like a small contained cult thing happening that now we have a a murderer who's kind of gone through a, a life change. Like Tombs is actually one of them. Like he's been oh, converted. Yeah. yeah, Tombs has been converted, and eventually he has to fight Tombs. Right? Like obviously that has to happen. Um, you know, I think to ke- to make to keep it to add in a foil, I think Imam should go with, and ooh. yeah, he because he's a religious man. So he can be the one, the one, the other, the angel in Riddick's ear, so to speak. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. I like that. that I don't know every- where I go with that, but sure. I, that, I, that keeps I think, everyone around anyway. Yeah, and then you know maybe somebody like maybe when things start to go bad in like your third act or whatever, like Imam gets killed because he maybe finds out too much. Like he finds out their real goal. Yeah, and that's the thing that kind of pushes Riddick all the way to the good side. Yeah, yeah. Like initially, when they bring him in there, they're like, "Oh, it's just you know to to kind of help us train and and show our people what to do." He's not even there lethally initially, and then it it turns into now you ha- do have to kill people that don't beat you, and and it's at that point he wants to leave, and now he's forced into it. You know, they kind of like capture him, and now he's kind of more gladiator uh, prisoner. And then the the push to the final escape is when Imam figures out they're going to send the uh, the winner of the tournament to the Underverse. Um, and that could even be where you fucking leave off if you want to. The end of the movie could be Vin That's Diesel getting... That's what the getting, third one does. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, just 
oh, oh, fuck, I guess he's going to go to the Underverse in the next one. I mean, that's the plan for the fourth one, so. Yeah, so I just skipped the whole thing. Yeah, we can keep we can skip all of the third movie and just go right to the fourth film. Yeah, because they they should they should basically be combined. Because it, it could also be the kind of thing where like the place where they keep all the warriors is is super deadly, similar to the prison on crematorium. You know, like that. You could yeah, keep it's like the, hey, we heard about how you survived that planet, and you know they think you, you they can use your expertise. Like they'll pay you good if you just come and help. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um. And. And it, it, you could even have it so that, you know, whatever the token is that's keeping uh, Riddick there for tombs, um, that that can be like, you know, a thing that gets brought up often of like, no, you can't leave until you, uh, you know, satisfy this debt or whatever. Um, and because Riddick's trying to be more honorable, he wants to do that, uh, not knowing that he's going to get, you know, shipped off to the underworld. <laughs> Yeah, like it, he's trying to be a better person, but he has to dig into his darker urges to save yeah. Jack. Mm-hmm. It it makes him feel a little more like a tragic Greek hero, which is, you know, basically what the John Wick movies are. Yeah. Yeah, it it, it, it the you have to sort of acknowledge that yes, he is a murderer. He has killed people. Yeah. But that but then in this film proper that we have now they try to say oh no he's a, he's a straight up hero now it's like didn't he like murder a bunch of innocent people it's yeah like, uh, also like he's kind of a horrible human being because he doesn't really do a lot of good for anybody throughout the entire film yeah we yeah. need to make him more relatable because otherwise it's just like well who cares he's basically just a guy getting his way and he's bad throughout you know <laughs> yeah and like yeah. his his version of helping people is like oh i'm just gonna stay away from them i'm not gonna change i'm just gonna like be away yeah right so you're still an asshole okay yeah, well i mean his name is dick alone. <laughs> <laughs> his name's dick riddick i love that okay can we just point out like richard b riddick that is a terrible name <laughs> it's 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 so disarmingly normal when it starts and then you get to the end the, that last name you're like yo what it only works for that one line delivery in pitch black where he introduces himself to the guy and he's just like oh you know i'm such and such entrepreneur or whatever and he's like richard b riddick escaped convict murderer like his yeah. fucking resume yeah reminds me a bit of uh in uh escape from new york where uh Hauk says uh, S.D. Pliskin. I'm like, okay, what does the S.D. stand for? They never really explain. It's just like, oh, just call me Snake. And then in the second movie, he says uh, S.D. Bob Pliskin. I'm like, wait a minute. His middle name is Bob? I'm like, <laughs> oh, fuck. Damn it. Ruined Another it. thing I hate about Escape from L.A. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh. Don't give your characters dad names unless they're dads. Exactly. <laughs> But they, they even have a line in this one where they say he was educated in the penal system. So you assume he's been in prison since he was very young. Yeah. Why? Well, uh, we don't know. For killing they're people, doing a, They're doing a bane. I was born into darkness. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Molded by it. Um, not, <laughs> you're, you're, you're right. I like that. Uh, not a bad comparison, honestly. Uh, although it does something from the first Pitch Black that that I feel like they haven't touched on enough yet. Um, he stays awake during hypersleep. Yeah, mm. uh, they, they do it in the director's cut of the sequel or in uh, Chronicles as well. Yeah, but like, what does that do to a mind 
eventually. Is that why he's always trying to get stranded onto a planet? Just like, guys, let me live out my life in not a tube. I don't know. They make it seem so interesting and pitch black. And then in this one, it's just like, who cares? Like when they when they bring it, it's just another one of those things. Like, oh, he's so cool. Yeah, yeah. I I, I think it should be definitely more lo- along the lines of like that physically hurts him. Like the reason he tries not to leave planets is because flight is just not good for him. Yeah, and they, there doesn't seem to be any reference of like any kind of space jumping of any kind. So you assume traveling just takes time. Yeah, I guess it's just you know f- faster than light travel. But it's not, like, wormhole technology, I would assume. Because they, they have to uh, avoid, like, stuff in space, too. Well, that's it's the Star Wars thing. It's like, you know, Luke flies from Hoth to Dagobah in an X-Wing. It doesn't matter. Who gives a shit? Yeah. <laughs> These doesn't are the matter. questions I need to know. <laughs> <laughs> There's no answers. <laughs> doesn't matter. Well, I think that's a that's a good handful of pitches there. I mean, you can you can just strip out the necromonger stuff and have a straight up prison escape movie. You could do a uh, anthology type, you know, Riddick short stories. I feel like that that's would lend itself the most to not having to develop his character a lot. Um, yeah, that's just, just like, a TV show, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, Riddick's um, first kill or something like that. You know. Yeah. What am I thinking of? I mean, not it's not horror, but just do Tales from the Crypt, but Riddick. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. What was that uh, Young Indiana Jones TV show? Yeah, that? yeah, I do remember that. Like, I yeah. feel like the if they ever get around to this TV show, which I'm not convinced that they will, but there there's no indication that they're not still working on it. Um, it's gonna probably have the same fate as that John Wick TV show they're doing. Oh yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the Continental was, or whatever. Yeah, mm. that's supposed still to take happening? place. Yeah, it's still still happening. Yeah, they just hired uh, Mel Gibson to be a part of it. So. Oh yep. my! Yeah, great. That's a thing. He's he's usually my sign that you're about one film away from Redbox when he shows up in your series. <laughs> yeah. Uh, or one step away from anti-Semitism. That's so true. More like a half step, but yeah, true. <laughs> Damn, Mel. Um, yeah, that, so so I guess our, our main pitch, though, is um, just kind of making this whole story a little smaller so it doesn't uh, turn into planet-exploding necromongers. Yeah. yeah. A character yeah. like Riddick doesn't need that. No. You can't go from the quaint style of pitch black to the grand, boisterous... Star Wars level of Chronicles of Riddick. You have to keep it small. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. this should be a sleeper franchise. It should not be a big, big, mm-hmm. boisterous franchise like Star Wars. Mm-hmm. You can't and do it. That's why the third movie works better. Like, it's not yeah. great, but it's better than this one because it keeps it... They are just doing the first movie over again in a different way. But mm-hmm. hey, like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah. That's why I said, like, th- this character is good for escape stories because his ability is he can see in the dark. Yeah, yeah. Use, yeah. Like, does he ever really use that ability at all in this entire film? He <laughs> uses it, but there, it's never, like, a necessary thing. In the, in the first and third one, he needs it because those planets are dark. In this yeah. one, he just does it because it looks cool. Yeah. yeah. Like, if you're going to give this character this ability... Put him into a scenario where it's actually useful. That's why the game works so well. It's like that prison is dark. Useful or harmful. So he has to think around it. Like that's 
yeah you know can be equally yeah. enthralling like that was part of the fun of pitch black is like when he's out in the desert he's essentially useless beyond protecting himself uh until, yeah. until the lights go off mm-hmm. yeah exactly then he that's becomes why. the person they need the most yeah right that's why hope and i were screaming at our tvs like stop taking your fucking sunglasses off <laughs> oh so bad uh, but he looks so cool every time he ripped them off, man. Well, we were just like, oh, that's why he took them off, just so we can get another vanity check when when yeah. she was complimenting him. Yeah. Oh, your eyes. It's like, bitch, put the glasses back on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's bright in that room. Stop it. Right. <laughs> that That's another thing I think visually the first movie does so much better is their, their dark scenes are dark and not shot yeah. for darkness. Yes. Yes. Like, that is a well-lit fucking prison for being miles underground. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the, 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 uh, the, even for all the money in the world that was put into uh, this film, it comes across as incredibly cheap-looking. Yeah. It's yeah, just it does. too bright. Too bright, dude. Too bright and too much CGI. Yeah. yeah. Well, Because part of, part of the reason for having scenes that are shot genuinely darkly is that then you can switch over to Riddick's vision and show scene geography. Like there's a, yeah. there's a useful plot function to those eyes. Yeah. That's the thing going back to the game. It's like, there's entire sections in that game where they go into the mines and it's just, it's just dark down there. You need yeah. that eye shine the entire time. Yeah. You have to have it. Yeah. And then they give you, know? you like a stun gun where you can take out lights. And literally that's all I do. And I just take out every light. So I never have to take off that eye shine. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it looks cool too. It does. Nice. Well, this has been a fun little stopover in the world of Riddick. Um, I, I doubt if we ever fitch, fix pitch black i may i may request that one for two whatever's way up at some point because i do really genuinely love that movie um it's great i i legitimately love just throwing that one on and i think we've done enough legwork that i don't feel like we need to do riddick so don't feel like you need to request that one just (laughs) wash rinse repeat at this point we slammed that movie into this one so this is kind of like a double fix Yeah, yeah yeah exactly yeah it's that one you know it's it's fine just take out the misogyny for fuck's sake. Yeah, that stuff is really cringy. Uh, the whole first like forty minutes of the movie is great. Like, yeah, when it when it's just him trying to survive on that planet, and then like the Mercs showing up. Like before it just becomes pitch black again. There's some really cool ideas in there, but it then it just becomes a, the same movie with a lot more misogyny. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and dumber looking aliens. <laughs> I feel yeah. so bad for Katie Sackhoff in that movie because she's like so much better than that material. Yeah, at least she got Mandalorian. Yeah, that's true. 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 Very true. Yeah. <laughs> Although D- Dave Batista has one really good moment in that movie. Oh yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, that was funny. Drax and Groot are at war with each other in that. Movie. <laughs> yeah. But there's like a scene where because he has a dog in that movie and he tries to shoot it and he misses and then somebody later and he's like, "Didn't somebody kill that thing?" And Dave Batista's like, "Nah." gotta be a different one <laughs> <laughs> and then uh what i don't know how to pronounce his name but uh jordy mola or whatever who was in blow uh and uh bad boys 2 he was the villain in those movies. oh he, yeah. yeah he is yeah he played diego in bad boys 2 and then he's really good at playing a scumbag yeah he's really good at that. yeah he he's really good in in riddick that's another one like because the, the guy who they bring in to be john's dad in Riddick is very boring. Yeah. So the the rest of the supporting cast is kind of holding the ground there. 
Yeah. It's pretty pretty big coincidence that John's dad just happens to show up. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That big-ass universe ain't that big anymore, is it? <laughs> There's yeah. apparently three people in this entire world. It- Hope, do you have any final thoughts on Riddick, the series, or just specifically the movie? First one, great. Just leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Jesse, how about you? Uh, It's completely watchable. Uh, I would never choose to watch it, though. You know? It, I would always choose to watch Pitch Black, you know, but and I'd also yeah. choose to play the game, but... Maybe watch Dark Fury, the uh, animated film, as a nice little addendum to the to the Riddick series. But as for the second or third films, like I would never like actively choose to watch them. Like if we weren't doing this episode, I wouldn't have chosen. To yeah, watch. I'm right there with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This was this was not on my like personal watch list. Yeah, uh, I'm I, I'm still salty over Bloodshot. Fuck you, Vin Diesel. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not get back into Bloodshot now. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy, how about you? Bring it home on a positive note. Yeah, I I like this more than most. It's not it's not a great movie. It's not a bad movie. It's somewhere in the middle. And if I watch one, I inevitably end up watching another. Yeah. Um. But I mean, that crematoria scene. Watch that, and then listen to the score because both of those are amazing. Yeah. I, I literally told Jesse that when when we when he suggested this, I was like, I'm just going to watch the whole trilogy. It's been a minute and it's worth it. <laughs> yeah, I I it'd been a while since I watched the third one, so I was like, all right, well, I guess I'll just do all of them cuz they're all pretty short, so. Yeah, I hadn't seen the third one since it was in theaters, honestly. Ooh, yeah, you I saw, saw the third one in theaters? I did. I did see the I third did one as in well. theaters. I I brought a friend to see it and then I I probably hadn't seen it since the Blu-ray came out. I, you know, I, I picked that up and then I watched it. Then that was probably the last time I saw it. So, mm. was that like 2014, 2013? 2013, yeah, yeah. It's been, it's been that, a chunk that of time. Cursed year yeah. for films. So yeah, probably haven't seen it since then. Yeah, I will say there are worse trilogies out there. Matrix. <laughs> um, so, whoa, whoa, whoa! Those are fighting <laughs> words over here. <laughs> We still got to do Matrix Revolutions at some point, so I'll, I'll, hey, I'm there for that because I, I mean, maybe I shouldn't be because I just say don't fix it. But <laughs> <laughs> can you just explain what the fuck happened in the movie? I really oh, I can explain. Know. I am That's deep in the Matrix. I can explain. <laughs> if you want to go for another four more hours, I can do. No, this. please don't. I can't. No, I'm oh. I'm good actually. I'm good, thanks. I'm good. Thank you though. Thank you. I have to mentally prepare myself if we're gonna do that one. <laughs> right. Well let's let's bring this thing home. Jesse, where can people check you out on the internet and the things that you do? Uh you can find me on Twitter at hardcore B shot. We have another show, Split the Difference, where we compare originals and remakes. Uh our next episode is going to be Yohimbo versus Fistful of Dollars. Uh, yeah. We'll do that uh this coming weekend. Um I believe that uh, Weird Ass Game will hopefully come back uh, by the end of this month. Uh, and uh, that's all I got thus far. And then Hope, how about you? You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, whatever, at biohazard underscore Leia. Um, I'm also going to be at the horror convention. I keep posting, and I'm if you ever want a horror buddy convention, uh, convention buddy, just hit me up. I'm always down to go to them. And I, um, I'm also doing two whatever's way up with Jesse and Seth. 
And the next episode, which we're going to do, I'm excited for, because um, I suggested it, is going to be about Mary and Max. So. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. And then, uh, Jeremy, how about you? Uh, yeah, I have a podcast of my own, which most of you have been on, uh, Defending Your Movie. Uh, look, watching movies we consider underrated and just kind of just chatting about them, just trying to be a beacon of positivity was the whole point of the show because <laughs> I got so sick of negativity on film Twitter. Oh, yeah. But um, so, yeah, uh, Twitter and Instagram for that is at Defending Movie, which also has links to the link trees for the Patreon and merch store and all that kind of stuff. Excellent, excellent. Um, <clears throat> as for us, this is Film Rescue Show. That's part of Montrester Media. Uh, Jesse Hope and I run um, to whatever's way up. I think Hope just mentioned that. That's on our podcast feed called Jaguar Sharks. You can find that on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Um, I, I think it's up everywhere except for on Apple Podcasts because, of course, they're slow to the draw. <laughs> yeah. Of course they are. You could you could find it everywhere else though. Um, so we have we have that show where we kind of just discuss uh, a movie that we really enjoy. No reason behind it. No, we're not chasing the algorithm. We're not talking about recent things or anything like that. Mm. <laughs> well, I guess sometimes we do, but depending on what comes out and when. Well, because our last yeah. our last episode was on No Time to Die and uh, Last Night in Soho. Last, last Night in Soho. Soho. Uh, which was just going to be a so what else, but then we ended up liking both movies. So, yeah, you can check that out. Uh, it's called Two Whatever's Way Up under Jaguar Sharks. All of our shows will end up under those channels, so you can just subscribe to one thing and check them all out there. Yeah, and also we have a Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash Media, where uh, for a dollar you get access to unreleased episodes, unedited episodes. Uh, we also do our show called So What Else, where we just shoot the shit about stuff and we uh seth and i just did an episode on resident evil welcome to raccoon city because uh we couldn't really do a fix on it because you can't fix the goddamn resident evil movies so <laughs> we said you know what let's just shoot the shit about this thing and uh yeah we had some choice words about that one <laughs> quite entertaining there's some yes. there's some stuff in there <laughs> yeah there's some stuff in there not all of it's good though but there is some stuff in there I really want to see it. If if nothing, it looks good. Yeah. It's a good looking movie. I'll give it that. I was actually curious about that because I followed your Twitter thread when you watched it, but I was like, the trailers made it look good, and I was curious if that held. It up is a good movie. looking and also well edited. It is not edited to hell, and that means the yes. world to me for that series. <laughs> I would have just appreciated more than about twenty minutes of the mansion, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Like, Every you time liars. I watch that trailer and just seeing the stuff completely replicated from the games, because Resident Evil 2 is in my top three games of all time. So, mm -hmm. like, for me, seeing that stuff faithfully recreated was enough to get my heart going. Yeah. I know it's not going to be awesome, but I just, I want to see it. Yeah, if, if it's a train just getting the, the wheels rolling at this point and the next one's better, I'll be happier. But um, Oh, they're not getting a next one. Did you see the box office for that? No, I didn't. Oh, yeah, it's not getting another one. No, okay, well... <laughs> Better luck next time. <laughs> yeah. Good luck on that Netflix show, guys. <laughs> I think that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you all for being here so much. Um, this has been us discussing Chronicles of Riddick. We'll see you next time. Good night. Good night. See you guys. Bye.
seeing so many people on my Twitter lately, for some reason, watching the sequel to the Silent Hill movie. The sequel? Really? Yeah. Is that just like a new thing now? Like, <laughs> I don't know. I, I got roped into like horror tic- or Twitter somehow. Somebody like keeps tagging my podcast and stuff, and it's it's all huh. the specifically horror people. Oh, that's and... a, that's interesting. Yeah, and it's weird because I've never covered a horror movie on my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> or no, I guess technically I have. Me and Seth actually did. We did Alien Covenant. So. Yeah. That's technically a horror film. Technically. I was about to say horror would be more like my genre, my alley, but... Yeah, I love horror movies. I don't know why I haven't covered more. Well, I guess, actually, me and Jesse did Exorcist 3 as well. It was funny. Seth, Jesse, and I actually all like watched that together on Halloween. It was fun. I think he actually talked about that on the episode. Yeah, that was mm-hmm. fun. It was my first time watching it, so I've actually never seen any of the Exorcist movies. Oh, really? It's a big blind spot for me. I have a lot of big, like, classic movie blind spots where it's like, oh, you know what happens in these just because there's so many parodies or people have talked about them for so long, but I've just mm-hmm. never actually seen them. Oh, yeah. Like, gotcha. What movie were we talking about? Uh, oh, I was talking 3. about our Exorcist 3. Mm. Yes, yes. When does that come out, by the way? Uh, I am not sure. I've, I am neck deep in work right now, and after actually after we finish here, I have to record intros for like my next three episodes and throw them up there. Nice. Um, oh, gotcha. So it might be it might be one of those. Actually, I'm not sure. Okay. I gotta I gotta look at release dates because I have a Spider Man episode. So when is that next week? Or is that mm-hmm. two weeks? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> You're asking. I'm the not wrong. super. I'm not super interested in the new Spider Man. I'm sure it'll be fine, but I'm not. It's not yeah. like at the top of my watch list it's on the 16th so that's next week okay so did you see they put out a clip of the uh uh the next into the spider-verse movie across the i'm more excited about that honestly it it, it was honestly a little rude of them to put that out before the spider-man movie came out (laughs) because it just crushed all of my expectations i was like all right cool i mean spider-man is my favorite hero i'm excited for all of it but i'm the only movie in my vision right now is the matrix Oh yeah, I just I want it to be good. Please be good. Uh, I'm if it's at least a B minus, I'll be happy. That's like me too. That's exactly where my expectations are set. Yeah, like I I am limited in theater goings, especially since we're about to have a baby in January. So mm-hmm. like that's probably my last theater movie for the year, and Spider Man's just gonna have to wait. So I'm trying not to really even think about it. It'll be on Disney Plus at like a month later. It's fine. Probably. Yeah, most of them are after they do their exclusive theater release, they're switching over to Disney Plus, so. Yeah. 